healthcare. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the last minute. That right Welcome back to the Basement Film Music Club, which you are now tuning in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual. We are so happy to have you down here yet again. Uh, maybe you're... Maybe you listen to it on a stroll in your car. Uh, maybe you're taking a, a soothing bath. I don't know. Whatever, whatever you're doing, uh, we hope that this is this is making your experience in doing that a little bit better. Uh, I'm going to keep this intro short because this is a long-ass episode, and deservedly so. 35 years ago, the face of rock and roll was changed by a couple of brothers, uh, a Circus Carney, and, and a guy with a sweet Jack Daniels bass talking about Van Halen. Van Halen 1 dropped now 35 years ago in, um, with hits like Running with the Devil, Eruption, uh, Ain't Talking About Love, Janie's Crying. You know, these are, these are all tracks that are sort of burnt into our experience in the lexicon of rock and roll. But um, back then they were, they were just sort of the, the tip of the iceberg, the, the first wave of a movement that would revolutionize rock and roll and eventually get into awkward shit like winger but uh but that was that was many years later uh and and for for a brief time uh, i think between about 78 and 1984 uh the band van halen was a shining example of how to rock verily to discuss this album had a good friend uh casey ray come by he hasn't been by in a while so he swung by and uh, mr marcus k dallin he apparently had some had some experience with this like most of us like rock do so uh so that's what's happening we're just gonna sit down here in the basement we're gonna drink a few beers and we're gonna maybe crack some jokes but most importantly we're gonna celebrate one of the greatest rock and roll albums of all time that's an objective fact kids uh van halen's van halen one so if you're ready if you're, if you're comfortable if you got your beverage you get your friend maybe you should like hold hands with somebody because this is gonna be a journey um and we're gonna say cock a lot so if your kid listened to this, I know it's marked explicit. We say cock a lot in this episode. Uh, but if you're okay with that, then uh, let's head on down to the basement with my friends Casey and Marcus as we dig into Van Halen's monumental first album, Van Halen. talk about a, a band that uh, maybe started it all, maybe didn't, maybe maybe it was the beginning of the end. I, I have no fucking clue. Uh, but uh, one thing is for sure about Van Halen is that verily did they rock. This is a band, if you are, we are three dudes, um, and I thought about like diversifying... We're very doodly dudes. We're doodly dudes, yeah. And, and I thought about diversifying the panel, and I was like... There, we couldn't even. There, there's, we couldn't find it. <laughs> it's like, Where are you going to get a pink Camaro on short notice, bra? <laughs> <laughs> I like you. I like a few hours sleep. This is fucking. This is going to go well. Um, you know, 
but but this band, I do not endorse MRA or anything. No, no, like no. I am me too as fuck. Yeah. I just happen to like you know tasty licks. Yeah, and and, and what is this album full of? Tasty lick. Fuck yes. Uh, in fact, it, it was one of the original albums that's full of tasty licks. I mean, if you think about in 1978 uh, when this album came out, uh, L.A. Sunset Strip is fucking going batshit crazy. And they're doing shit like signing a band that doesn't – they just had a few demos. And granted, Gene Simmons, who I know you're a huge fan of Kiss, Casey. Really, <laughs> I would love to just sort of scrub that out of Van Halen's history, yeah. much like Eddie scrubbed Michael Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk about that, sadly. Uh but, uh, you know, he, he was an early advocate for these guys. Uh, and we're talking about Eddie Van Halen, yes. uh, his brother Alex on or drums. Edward. Edward, Edward, whatever you want to say. If you're a formal uh, type. The indomitable Michael Anthony, who perseveres regardless. Like, he, he remains the ultimate rock and roll badass. He's sort of like a puppy sticking its head out the window when the car starts yeah. to go fast. Right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. But he has his pick of cars. Of rock. Yeah, of rock. Exactly. And then, and then uh, they won the only Diamond Dave, David Lee Roth. Now, if you think back to when, when this band first got together without David Lee Roth in 1972, shit was real different than how, when they got their uh, first sort of big fame. Uh, th this lineup was actually together, I think it was from 1978 to 1984, 1985, 1985. Uh, over the course of that time, they put out, I mean, you guys are in this room are, are free to disagree or not, but I think some of the greatest and, and, and serious templates for rock and roll uh, that have ever been laid down, you know, Van Halen, Van Halen 2, Women, Children First, Fair Warning, Diver Down, and the pop metal classic 1984 like that's i think 1984 is one of their better records to be honest with you but the 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 catalog is the strongest right out of the gate with the first record yes. the second record you know in the kind of zeppelin fashion was a little bit more of the same but perhaps with um you know more uh ingestibles yeah and then uh you know that i think their peak personally for me is probably um uh, what fair warning? Fair warning is great. Yeah, and and, and that that is definitely musically. Edward, that is definitely Edward sure. Van Halen's peak. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. A, 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 as a player, uh, but I mean, so this shit is like the pure font of rock and roll that that you can go to and find it all. Um, but we're going to be talking today about what started it all, 1978, and I don't have the singles list in front of me, so I'm just going to play it how how it started it for me, and I didn't hear this in 1978. Uh, I heard it uh, a couple years later after I was a fan of 1984, Jump. Like, if you were a kid listening to the radio in, in 1984 and It was just Jump, a cool song. It was yeah. a cool video, too. Uh, you know, it had Diamond Dave doing, like, impossible ninja kicks and, like, yep. flying uh, spins with his legs split wide open and, and, and no sticking the No computer graphics to cut yeah. out the wires. No, he had, he had an athleticism and, you know, probably fueled by cocaine. Uh, but, but it was still really, <laughs> you know, it was, he, he was very charismatic and he knew how to use his body, baby. Uh, and then you had Eddie who was like, you know, this kind of like cute little, like cupid doll, this little Danish cupid yeah. doll is like, got the little smile. I remember reading a quote from Jimmy Page, um, you know, who was like, yeah, Eddie Van Halen, I could never smile like that. Yep. And it was kind of a diss because, uh, they were asking about Eddie's influences and obviously Led Zeppelin keeps coming up because they, 
kind of um, they set the template for the sort of guitar wizard and preening blonde front man. Uh, you know, and so the, the influence and the question was always there. Obviously, Van Halen's influenced by Led Zeppelin. It would be impossible for them to have not been. Uh, yeah. But, you know, Eddie was very uh, quick to downplay Page's technical abilities. Yeah. Uh, and it actually led to well, a Zeppelin this is bootleg why. that came out called, uh, I think it was a Zeppelin bootleg from, I don't know, some, some one of the tours in Los Angeles, probably about 75, when, when Page was being, sing, you know, sort of pointed to as being past his uh, prime as a player. And, it, and I think it's called something like, check this out, Eddie. Or something like the fans <laughs> named it, but it became part of the Led Zeppelin right. bootleg cultural uh, scene, you know, with the whole like diss between Eddie and and Page. And and what we're gonna play this caused the diss, and this uh, this caused uh, thousands or of beef uh, rather of kids beef is beef thousands 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 of 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 nerds to pick up the guitar. Uh, this this started a whole new revolution simply because it was. The first time he was heard and recognized, I think, not first time he was done, that honor belongs to Mr. Jimmy Page, Sir Jimmy Page. Well, yeah, Heartbreaker, uh, yep. you know, but, stops, and then all of a sudden something happens, and a million <laughs> kids go, what the fuck just happened? And they yep. go try to figure it out. But Eruption was just that. So Eruption broke the world into two categories of people, those who were going to learn how to play it and those who were not. <laughs> yeah. And I can tell you, I lived through the, the, the hair metal... Uh, era and i was um both a victim and a beneficiary <laughs> of uh some of the some of the 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 techniques applied to the guitar because i'm a guitar player i am a lead guitar player and i'm a i'm i think i'm a decent one yeah but there was no way to uh escape the sort of eddie the the it was like he was the biggest tractor beam uh yeah you know on the instrument in popular culture at a time when that instrument still really meant something in popular culture, it was the defining uh, instrument in rock. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing I want to talk about. Part. But first, like, it's your time to decide, listeners, which side are you on? Because uh, here comes the rupture. So you mentioned being a lead guitar player and of some notoriety. Uh, of some notoriety. Uh, I will tell you, as a guitar player uh, who is not necessarily a lead guitar player, I spent a good part of my high school years trying to fuck 
fucking do this because I thought it would impress chicks. That is not that's not a thing that will happen if you learn this. Nowadays, um, you will impress no chick. You, no, you back then, I don't think you would. Another reason that, that you have to learn eruption is, is purely survival. Like, I'll put it this way. Um, there's a sort of lingua franca of, like, guitar that, um, you know, sort of existed for people who played it in the eras that we're talking about. You know, sort of the, the um, late 70s, certainly all of the 80s, and maybe a, a tiny bit of the 1990s. You know, actually, the 90s had its shredders, too. I mean, there's Mascus on the on the sort of um, splatter side and, and yeah. Mascus and, and and but there's like Dave Navarro on the shredder side. And those people were kind of bringing it. Um, but in the in the 80s, like when I was learning how to play um, and I was I only ever wanted to play lead guitar, by the way, I didn't want to play rhythm guitar right, or right, anything right. else. I just wanted to fucking play lead guitar because I wanted to be like Jimmy Page. But, you know, Eruption was a thing, and, and it, we were breaking off into this post-Eddie universe of, like, poodle-headed, arpeggio-shredding uh, dudes who could just, like, you know, blitzkrieg the, the, the guitar, uh, you know, from zero to 60 in, in no seconds. Um, but Eruption was one of those things where, like, you had to learn uh, enough of it to be able to convincingly, if you were playing something awesome in a guitar shop and some kid came up to you, like, even if it was just dicking around like for me awesome would probably be like i'm playing the uh the solo to don't fear the reaper you know yeah. not eruption because actually that's it's frankly harder to play right no, with eruption sure. you because it's got you know those rhythms are awkward and the and the uh and the mode is is um are is exotic uh whereas eruption is kind of still um in a in an aeolian mode it's a straight minor key um, it introduces a new technique, which is tapping, but one can master that technique. It, overall, it makes well, sense. Well, and it wasn't, and that was the page beef, is the page, like, did that. You, sort of, but sort page of. did it like, like, you know, a five-year-old with a broken uh, right, hand, right. which I think Eddie, is Eddie exactly it. what Eddie called Jimmy Page. I shit you not. That is exactly <laughs> what he said. He plays like a three-year-old with a broken hand or something. But anyway, my point is, if you're in a, in a, in a guitar shop and you're playing... And somebody susses out that you've got like some technique as a lead guitar player, and they say play eruption. You got to be ready to at least convincingly get through the the parts that are going to make them understand right. that you can play eruption, even if you don't know the whole thing from start to finish. And if you don't have Floyd Rose locking tremolo, you're shit out of luck. Well, that's true. You got to start with the dive bomb. So I guess one way to avoid that is to just never play a guitar in a guitar shop <laughs> with the Floyd Rose tremolo. Cool. Okay, so this relates uh, to 1997. I was a freshman at Providence College. And uh, this is the first time that I really heard this album in its entirety. Like, I kind of knew what it was, and I knew what Van Halen was. 1984 was, like, a moment for me with rock, because as Casey said, like, David Lee Roth is, like, a one once-in-a-millennium frontman. And when you look at the video for 1984, like, it, it set the archetype for, like, pop culture in a lot of ways for me, like, especially, like, because, you know, like, I hate to break things down into white and black, but I was six years old, and that's how my mom, like, taught me how to look at the universe. So I'm looking at this one white guy, and I'm like, okay, so all other white guys must either be like this or not like this. Mm -hmm. That would be amazing if we were all <laughs> like that. That's what I thought. I really did. I had limited exposure to white people. I so mean, maybe I'm... we are. Right. I mean, I'm kind of olive drab, so I, mean, I can't really speak for whiteness that well. Ah, but, 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 but you have so much... I, I'll stand up for that. We're all like that. <laughs> Sweet! Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> so anyway, so getting to this record, okay, so uh, my, my, my good friend Greg Massey, who was the roommate of Dave Regan, and they lived across the hall and three doors up from me in um, Door Hall at Providence College. 
I, you know, I would hang out with them a great deal. And Can I interrupt you? Yeah. You, you wondered, because of David Lee Roth, whether all white guys did hyperactive, like, <laughs> yes! jazz scat singing? <laughs> yes, all the time. How, how like is that thing? <laughs> Can I interrupt you? Yeah. Yes. How has that borne out? Oh, it's absolutely true. <laughs> there's, Look who's there's president. A, there's a level of, of white guy that is David Lee Roth, like, right. in real life. It's just, it's, yeah, it's we wild. elected him. I, I know. I'm Somebody aware. did. Boris did. Yeah, of course. But uh, so, any of it. Uh, so, you know, hanging out there, and, you know, it's like, oh, you have that conversation. It's like the first week of school. And you're just like, okay, so, like, what's your favorite rock group? And, you know, it's like Dave is immediately like, Van Halen. And then he goes, Van Hagar. And I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, okay. But I'm like, well, what's your favorite Van Halen record? He goes, well, it's actually the first Van Halen record. Mm -hmm. He's like, but I like, I like, Dave, I, he's like, I like Sammy Hagar better as a lead singer. Are you still friends with this person? Oh, yeah, totally. That's so, how do you, how do you guys, um, you just don't talk about it. It's Cabo like, talk, Wobble, it's like talking Wobble about tequila. It's like talking about Trump at Thanksgiving, right? Like you get some relatives, you just don't yeah, bring it but up. It's, but it's, but it's all Cabo Wabo tequila. <laughs> you, just don't bring, you just don't bring up yeah. Sammy. Oh, I know. Cabo Wabo? Yeah. So you bond over the tequila or yeah, is that, it just the experience Sammy, of Cabo Wabo No, it's itself? the fact that Sammy made it and it's good. There's only one way to rock, darling. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, there's more than one. And, and for that and many other reasons, I take issue with Sammy Hager. So in any this event, is another podcast. Yeah, I know. It's a whole other. God, we could have this argument for hours. I love it. But uh, so in any event. It's like, not an argument. <laughs> phenomenal. This is so good. Uh, so anyway, okay. so like I was saying, uh, this record is one of those moments where when you listen to it and if you have no. Okay. So I look at this album like this. If you have no concept of rock and roll, a lot of people in 1978 had lost touch with rock and roll. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there's punk and there's disco and album oriented rock is a thing and prog rock is still a thing. And, you know, there's still like bands like uh, Pink Floyd out there and stuff like that. That's really not like loud and brash and abrasive and, and for a lot of people fun, you know? So like this band comes along and it's like, this is a fun record. This is a fun, ridiculous rock album that like, you can't, like, again, we were talking about it this week, Kevin and I, you can't make this album in 2017. You literally cannot. Yeah, because there's like, anyway. there's, there's like a trope of like, every mention of the word love actually is a mention of the word sex. Right. And every, and, and, and the whole record is based around like, we're going to get drunk and, and, and fuck. All the time. I think I think it's what we said on the Hollow Notes podcast. It was a different time. It's a whole different time. You know, I, I think rock for sure, you know, ingesting, investing rock with like some much needed energy, you know, a shot of like, you know, razzle dazzle. Uh, definitely necessary yeah. and, and and probably transformed the broader rock culture and, and went beyond rock. I mean, as we can see with, um, you know, Ed getting invited to play on Michael Jackson's Beat right. It mm -hmm. and do the solo. But when Van Halen first arrived with this first album, they were squarely situated in 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 a sort of hard rock and and proto metal uh, category because they went out on tour with Black Sabbath yeah. on their first big uh, tour, right. and you know that was sort of when folks started to see the dividing line between this sort of um, plundering old version, uh, this hoary old version of hard rock, Deep Purple. Led Zeppelin, all the cream derivants right. and the Yardbirds derivants, uh, and this new thing. But even Van Halen was cribbing from you know the hard rock playbook. Like Dave David Lee Roth seems like he sort of completely came up with this uh, wild man stage image on his own. But it actually 
uh, is it borrows quite heavily from this cat named Jim Dandy from a band called uh, Black Oak, Arkansas. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Black Oak, Arkansas are not very good, and Jim Dandy is seven but flavors of ridiculous. But they're fun. But they're fun. <laughs> they're so and, fun. And, you know, D- David Lee Roth gave that his own cat skills spin. You know, he comes from a, a family of, of uh, entertainers who had come from the sort of um, the, the vaudeville uh, experience or the post-vaudeville experience. And there, and you know, a lot of them were doctors too. I just think it's so funny that David Lee Roth ended up being fulfilling both destinies. His yeah. parents must be like incredibly <laughs> proud. He's like, right. he's he's done them so there's, proud. There's so much because he became yeah. a paramedic. Exactly. Like, imagine getting like you know, like oh no, I you know I I've, I've fallen and I can't get up, and then like Diamond Dave like bursts in with like a flying <laughs> high kick, and he's like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, doing his Louis Armstrong so on we, cocaine shtick. So we talk about all the shtick, but like the thing that makes this album great and the reason why we talk about it is because the music is so it just grabs right. you and it just like it's like okay, so like it's like it's the sonic equivalent of getting headbutted in the face, like right between the eyes, like seventy five thousand times. I completely agree with that because it. it you have to think back to a time in our lives, and, and I don't know if this is just because you get older and this falls out of time, but, but where music like this in metal was scary. Right. Like, you hear it, and it's awesome, but it's, like, it's scary, and that's why it's awesome. Yeah, but it didn't – this – okay, so, like, metal to me of that era, like, we listen to, like, the Sabbaths of the world mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It, it's I didn't so, really find it scary, guys. I mean, it's got Beach Boys harmonies, for right. fuck's sake. But it's, but it's not Maybe. that – But it's no, like – No, it definitely has Beach Boys harmonies. No, it's no, like this stuff? Oh, yeah. That's, like, key to but, the thing. But I think the thing is, like, okay, so a lot of the Black Sabbath stuff is scary, and it's heavy, and it's, it's like – It's heavy. Yeah. And it's, and it's hard. Yeah. In this way that, like – This is scary like a guy with a raging boner, a cocaine boner <laughs> at, at, like, a party, like, <laughs> no. like, like, rubbing it against you. Okay, you're like, so – Please stop. It's like a Pepe Le Pew kind right. of situation. So, but it's the thing He's that, all up on but it's the thing that that okay so this album is like american in a way that like america is that happens to me a lot so i know you know what i mean i can't even go to a party and i got these like the cocks in my face voters just rub it up on you it's it's wild i i know i keep interrupting marcus but i think bro it's all good i think what we we feel here is that there's a heat Coming out of Van Halen that yeah. hadn't been felt in a long time, and so and that heat it comes from the loins. Whether it comes from the loins, and that can be a little bit scary, particularly as you're sort of a developing lad. If you heard it the sort of more cl- closer to the first time around, or even if you heard it later, it reads the same. You so, know what I mean? I, I, I want to and, and and I want to call this the interrupting Marcus big Down old podcast. splurt. But no, I, no, I, it's I, cool. I, I, awesome. No, it's not. It's not. But no, I want. I'm, I, I'm no. I'm fine with it because I want. I want to play this song to that point. Yeah. which is how they got in, and then I want to yield the floor to you. Yeah. Right, so you can... By all means. This. But, yeah, a lot of what we're talking about is, you know, they recontextualized a Kinks song, You Really Got Me. Yeah. Uh, and uh, even back in 1978, uh, or even growing up here as a child in the 80s, uh, this shit's nasty. So here you go. This is You Really Got Me. Girl, you really got me now. You got me signed. Don't know what I'm doing.
So that is some lascivious rock and roll. It's greasy. It's ain't talking about love. Not yet, man. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, you know, that, that is... And, and in 1978, I think that's exactly what people needed. Okay. If you weren't a fan of punk. If you didn't... If you weren't for the harder music and you'd grown tired of this, you need, you need something... Like you mentioned, Beach Boys Harmonies. Michael Anthony, we've mentioned... That song doesn't. None of this exists without yeah, that motherfucker yeah, he, underneath. He, he's you can, the key to the you harmonies. can you can pinpoint it all the way. Look, the the Van Halen brothers are going to harmonize perfectly. Right. They're brothers up top. If you, I forgot to break it out. The Van Halen's the David Lee Roth soundboard. If you take his his vocals isolated, a few of them are okay, but most of them are are legit awful. I want to talk about this for a second though. Yeah. Okay, but first I want to say. God damn it, woman, I lied to him all the one time. Yeah, see? Right? But, you know, he had this weird overtone, like, when he hit that falsetto. Yes. Like, you hear two notes. It's sort of like when you whistle. I don't know if it's yeah, pick like it up. Yeah, it's like throat singing. Yeah, it's like two throat singing. He had, like, a two throat <laughs> overtone for his falsetto that makes those things really pop. The screech was not... This, it's, it's like a screech, and it's just like, weird. what the fuck is that coming sound from? Sounds weird. Just, but, but, and isolated, it's not doubled, it's not a no, trick, it's no, just what it no. sounds like. But without Michael Anthony under there hitting these, like, just perfect Yeah, the timings. three of them, really, they're just doing the, the, the classic Locked Beach in. Boys, yeah. like, um, stack of vocals. Yep. But you don't really have to stack vocals with David Lee Roth. So, so David can't sing for shit, kind of. But, but that's the point, though. Yeah. That's the whole point. So He I gets wanna, it across. So, okay. So Casey made this point that is the Interrupting Me podcast, and I'm not mad at it. I'll tell you why. Because this what? is... <laughs> God, I love You're you. You're not... No, but I'll... Wait, what... It... Yes! This is perfect, because... Okay. So if you're of a certain age... Okay, so I'm 39, mm-hmm. and you'll be 46. Yes. And you are... 112. Okay, perfect. Exactly. So if you're over the age of 40, 42, this is the most seminal rock record of your life. Like, this was a record, this is probably the first record that, like, spoke to you as, like, a person that could, like, appreciate sound. And I don't know. Well, no, but, like, <laughs> there, there wasn't, like, a... Look back at younger Casey. Right, younger oh, yeah, Casey. I think he's right. I think in your, in your it's like, like maybe teens and, this is, and early 20s. And it's the first is... time that a record spoke to your wang in real life. <laughs> no, like, definitely not. No, no, not even. But for you, but for like a lot of kids, this was for the me first and Lynchburg. It absolutely did. Right, where it was like, oh my god, like you're 12 and you have a penis. Prince spoke to my wang first, guys. That's good, man. You're, you're he still you're, talks to my wang see, from you're, beyond you're the grave. Vermont, so you're like in a progressive place. that's like yeah. eons ahead of the rest of the, the known universe. So you're, actually, I was in Maine. Okay, even worse. Yeah, there you go. So you're eons ahead of the world. I was like hanging out with Steve King and those demented fuckers. <laughs> exactly. So this this that says everything. So in any event, this record is like that time where okay, so it's like there's this this record that directly speaks to to the the loins of young men like worldwide. Yeah, well, almost, that's true. 
Yeah, and Camaros it's, of the world unite. Right, and it's and it's scary because you can't make this record anymore. You can't make an album that directly speaks to young men's loins and just put it out there in the world and not, you know, like have the entire world like fire back, you know, a million angry tweets or Facebook posts. Certainly or... not in this way. And, and, and anything even resembling the way that this is packaged and delivered would be, would be perceived as ironic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like as the darkness and Steel Jaguar and all of that. Stuff. Right. And that's why the darkness, you know, they, they had but a But the darkness crushed because they don't do it ironically. Right and and oh, that's what the and, story is. Yeah, Just, yeah. Justin Hawkins is is a great David Lee Roth like meme in yes. a way. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Like, yeah. So I think you have to be a product of the original era to actually be these guys. And the reason that it changed shit was because you know the the ingredients were were really pretty important. Like Ed himself, you know, this is a again a a, a child of Dutch immigrants. His dad mm-hmm. was a professional musician. He was trained in classical music and the. I think the primary training reflected European classical traditions, yeah, and that's how you get that ported over into you know the sort of language of rock guitar. But you know the same thing could be said for for David, and of course Alex, uh, you know, is um, Ed's brother, Michael Anthony. Like you know, you don't really think of him having too much of a role in the band. But I would say that uh, you know, in our minds, we like to think this album opens up with eruption, but it doesn't. It opens up with running with the devil. It does. Yeah. The first four notes that you hear on a on a Van Halen record are Michael Anthony, big bomb. wet, well, big bomb. wet, and nasty bomb. drums. And, and let's hear a little bit because you get you get what we talked about. You get yeah. the the David Lee Roth screech. You get the Michael Anthony bass. You get the oh, yeah. underneath and stuff. I want to say this about running with the devil before you play it. Yeah, there has never in the history of music been an opener to an album that defines like <clears throat> 20 years of music in Wrong. my mind <laughs> black sabbath black sabbath black sabbath okay uh, first okay. <laughs> Fair, with the, okay, with so the devil for, triton number two to, the to, immigrant to Marcus's point <laughs> i'll say i'll say for to, modern for this for this 10-year yeah. gap of music from like 78 okay to like <laughs> narrowing it down 87 i am i'm narrowing it down because <laughs> i'm sitting next to you casey and i was gonna do that i do this just for you Okay, so from like 78 to 87. Don't make me interrupt you again. I know you will. I'm not worried. I love you for it. I really No, I seriously, I appreciate it. It's like pro wrestling, dude. I'm just going <laughs> to fucking climb up right on that. What do you call that thing Top that holds rope? up the ropes? Yeah, yeah. that. And, just, and oh, I'm going to do a backflip flying <laughs> loop. Uh, the flying Lucchese we're going to cut. I believe it. it's called a suplex. Right all over your argument. Suplex. I love it. So, um, but, so from 78 to 87, you don't get a thing that opens a record like... Like, running with the devil, and it just, like, lays out the whole template. And you also don't get something that anticipates the PMRC. That's true. But but to say, say, like, hey, you know what rock and roll's about? It's about the fucking devil, and it sounds like this. Yeah. Uh, uh, simple life used to be. Like, 
simple and crazy. Uh, you know that uh, that guitar solo right there is, as you were pointing out off mic, Mister Dowling. It sounds so badass. It is actually, right. as Casey, you were pointing out, it is actually very simple to play. It's, it's pretty easy. It, it, impossible to make back. it sound so cool. Though. Eddie, it, exactly. I mean, it's all in his touch. Eddie holds back a ton, and the same is true of his rhythm guitar. Here's another thing. You know this is a band playing live in a room because there's actual real dynamics. On uh, right. talking about love, you know, the middle section was like, you know, I've been to the end. We're gonna get and they get really quiet. Yeah. I mean, it's do, just a, it, it, they're not they're not like suddenly kicking Alex's drums over to like the phone booth, like <laughs> <laughs> or or whatever. And they're not like you know, Eddie's not clicking off a pedal. He's rolling down the volume on his guitar and he's arpeggiating yeah. those chords, nice and clean. And then he's revving that shit back up like a like a IROC engine and full you know full throttle. <laughs> IROC. Oh, perfect, perfect. So. Uh, okay, so I was I I did an interview once with Zed, and it, it turned hurt. into this like mm-hmm. it turned into like this hour long conversation with with Zed about like all sorts of stuff that had nothing to do with EDM. So he started his career before making like you know big songs like Clarity or whatever, like with his brothers in a metal band. They actually played like doom metal together, and so he we talked about Van Halen because it's like the the first thing I could think of when he's like I was in a band with my brothers. And I learned how I learned melody from playing with my brothers. And I go, oh, like Van Halen. He's like, yeah, just like Van Halen. And I'm like, whoa. And then it was like this weird singularity that happened in the room. And we were just like, yeah. And then we like took a deep dive into like understanding like, okay, so when you play with your family, when you play with your brothers, especially, and when you have a thing with metal and you start to like dive into the history of metal and you start to understand it, families have been playing metal for years. And that people who lived and worked together so hard and so long that they become familial that way well, play metal. And and also metal is, in general, I think, in Casey, you can feel free to correct me, it, it, it rose out of a seriously lower working class metal is a global folk music right yeah yeah but it but it but it's also it's the working class it's lower, that's lower. right and so the idea that you would have two brothers yeah or two is is very i mean that's just gonna happen yeah and they even had the same switch of like going from drums to guitar like zed mm. went from drums to guitar and his brother went from guitar to yeah drums. that happens a lot i mean you know it happened in the almond brothers it wasn't drums and guitar but it was um organ vo- and singing and, and guitar and like it's like happens a lot of the brothers like they, they they're sort of feeling it out and then they'll know naturally like who has the talent where and like any other kids are going to exploit that for max fun right and then you get this thing where okay so like this this record after they like knock each other around for a while about it so the thing that people also need to understand is that this record could have only happened in the weird way that it happened this is like a once in a lifetime album that like the idea that van halen like or you take two brothers who have been playing together for god knows how long at this point probably you know, at least like maybe 20, 25 years at this point by the time they get to this record. And then it's like you take Michael Anthony, who like understands like pop percussion in a way that like very few other people in the history of music ever have. And you take David Lee Roth. We, we could talk about David Lee Roth for a hundred million years. You, mm-hmm. There will never, ever be another person in rock and roll like David Lee Roth. Like, you could compare people and you could say, like, I mentioned Justin Hawkins from The the Darkness, who literally to me is like a cheap knockoff of David Lee Roth. We hadn't seen him at that oh, point for, sure. for, you know, 15 years. And then he stands up and you're just like, oh, this is cool. It's like, well, we, we've seen it before. But, you know, it's just like that remembrance of things. Well, I mean, there was an entire decade of like Me Too's when Van Halen came out. I mean, all of hair metal is essentially built on the on the idea of, you know, a, a super like hotshot gunslinger guitar player. And I. 
in a boisterous but you know uh, swaggeringly uh, sexual front man. Right, but everybody's not. But nobody. I mean, okay, so like Brett Michaels is awesome, but he's not David Lee Roth. Oh, nobody's going to be David Lee Roth. I it was like I I had a one experience with David Lee Roth that was probably enough <laughs> <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you, but. It was also one of the most bizarre and entertaining things I've ever had the um, uh, the luxury of experiencing. Back when I was doing like a bunch of like on call media stuff about music, like what's happening with the music industry, and here's a hot take. Ow! bow. You know, I got asked to do this thing for HuffPost Live, which are these little videos. Right there, you go, and and. And I guess the the reason was because uh, like the the people that were um uh, the like the the show producer came from another outlet that I'd um, serviced, uh, and this is how the 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 media works. You know, that just generates fake news, and it and it. Um, I'm just kidding, uh, but you know, but, but if you're in a jam, you know, if you're in a jam, you're just like, oh yeah, we had this guy on before, and it doesn't even really matter what you're talking about at past a certain point. You're just that guy because you're in their rolodex, and it's easy. So for whatever reason, it was like, ah, oh, we got David Lee Roth, but we don't just want to leave this um, poor host alone with David Lee Roth. So let's get somebody else in there to talk with David Lee Roth. And and my number came up, so I was, uh, you know, there virtually with with Diamond Dave interacting <gasps> with Diamond Dave, where they would God ask me a question about what I thought about, you know, the internet and music, and I would give, you know, like a typical Casey answer, and then. Dave would riff on it. Yes. And holy shit, that guy riffs. He's really smart. He's like, you know, it reminds me of like Robin Williams back when Robin Williams would go on like the, the late night talk shows. Yeah. Or the, you know, like, like the first HBO Johnny specials. Carson, yeah. you know, yeah. or whatever. And, and you couldn't shut him up. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I was like delighted, uh, much like Marcus is. To have this guy talk all over me because no, he's David Lee fucking Ron. No, I okay. So, so funny story about this. Like, he was David also Lee. wearing overalls, which was That's really amazing. exciting. So, so funny story about like, God related to this. It also related to this album. So, like, whenever I do a podcast with you, there are friends of mine who definitely relate what you do on this podcast to being next to David Lee Roth because huh. you have this energy. It just pops out and shoots off the mic. Because I interrupt you a lot, and it's it's it's. You're it's like, what are they kind of shut up, Marcus? We yeah, tune, we it's, tune it's, in to no, listen to honestly, you. It's honestly the fact that people people think I talk too much, but that's neither here nor there. But you know, and and Kevin laughs because it's the truth. Um, so in any event, okay. So David Lee Roth on this album, um, he's the voice of a generation. So like, there's like all these pieces of like American ephemery that come together to make this thing work. Like again, I said. Like, the the guy who, you know, like, engineers and produces this record, you know, has, like, a whole history that's, like, very American in nature. Then you have, like, Michael Anthony. We've talked about the Beach Boys. And then you talk about, like, Milton Berle's son is the guy who's, like, the, the executive producer of the album, you know, $40,000 later. Like, there's all sorts of, like, uniquely American things that could only sure. – that only existed in America. And then out of that, and you push all this together Can- and you have these songs that are, like, created for, like – Largely like bar bands in Southern California in the late 1970s. And if you've looked at anything regarding the late 70s in Southern California, like there's a lot of dudes drinking a lot of bud. And that was actually out. Robert Crisco's uh, fundamental criticism of this album when it came out. You know, he's like the he's like the um, professor of, uh, of rock criticism. Right. Uh, he, he was basically like, get this bar band shit away from me. Or, oh, oh great. Warner Brothers is putting up bar band music right. now. Yeah. 
and that's but that, that's the thing well, of it. And and there, but there's something American about that, like up from your, you know, up from your 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 ass grassroots kind of thing. And there's this like whole thing of like, well, if everybody likes it, then it must be good. Well, it also goes back to what you guys were talking about at the beginning, which is like investing rock and roll, reinvesting rock and roll with some primal heat and that heat that comes from the loins. And then you think about you know running with the devil, which we already listened to, like. Like that is a declamatory style of singing that kind of mm-hmm. comes from it's the it's the anti-church, i.e. running with the devil. And it was like the, the accusation of churchgoers against rock and roll going all the way back to Little Richard and uh, Jerry Lee Lewis and the original gang of heathens. Yes, yeah, so I was going to say like there's a like so sexual heathens. when I was a, when when. OK, so when 1984 came out, because, again, I was born in 1978. Mm-hmm. So 1984 was the first time that like I was really introduced to Van Halen. I was six years old, and I'm like Friday night videos would come on on NBC. This is their answer to MTV becoming a thing. They had a video show that would come on after um, that would come on after the late the the the, the yeah, Friday. Yeah, it was news. great for kids that didn't have cable because the most of the, the right, America like just wasn't wired yet. Right, so it was great. So uh, so I would watch it, and you know, like you'd see like I watched it too. David Lee Roth like jumping in the air, and so like. I the last like the only other like and again I had this whole thing where I was like okay all white people must be like David Lee Roth so the only person I knew before David Lee Roth that was like David Lee Roth was Jerry Lee Lewis yeah and I was like oh, okay so they must be out of the showman. same school of showmanship I, and excitement which is crazy because that's actually like coming from the 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 black gospel declining yeah, tradition yeah, yeah. I, I want to get on that bar band stuff but before before we do that I want to play uh, a track that, that that very certainly is not a bar band song or if it is it's the best bar band song that ever you No know, it's created. the best bar band song that ever but, existed yeah. but but you know as we do in these uh we we sort of try to contextualize it by what was going on that year in the albums that were coming out so you think about uh, Springsteen's Darkness on the Edge of Town Rolling Stones, Some Girls, which with your mileage with that may vary. More songs about building and stuff. The the, yeah. the Talking yeah. Heads album. Some Girls is the last Great Stones album in the contemporary estimation. I would get there on some days, but uh, this year's model, which is Elvis Costello. A lot of great records. So is this competing a lot of great, with a lot of great well, records? Well, that's, hold on. I'm going to get some crazy ones. Or something we're going to touch on, too. Stranger in Town, Bob Seger, huh. which is the uh, Atlantis D'Amour the police, huh. Kraftwerk, the Man Machine. Mm-hmm. I uh, would kill to have a like record release here like that. Right, <laughs> right. That's why it took this record until big, October to hit. Big Platinum. Stars yeah. Third. Wow, is coming out yeah. that year, uh, and then sort of wrapping up before we get into this song, uh, you have Nick Lowe's Jesus of Cool. All in nineteen. Shit. All in nineteen seventy eight, <laughs> and and. So Chris Gow's, I think bar band thing was maybe accurate, accurate, the, but but at the same time, it was an embarrassment but of like not, same thing. Robert Chris Gow is still alive. So, dude, did you not feel this?
If that's playing in a bar uh, near me, I want to be in that bar that's playing. And, I mean, so does anybody who's ever seen live music in a bar. Mm -hmm. Like, that is... uh, And to be clear, this was... It's it's one of those things, like, somebody makes a criticism, but it's actually just, like, what they are. Like, they're playing the Whiskey at Go-Go, and then the guy comes and says, hey, want to make a record? Sure. Yeah, but it's A couple weeks, $40,000. Think about $40,000 to make this record. Couple of weeks, forty thousand dollars, and you have a thing that, that will last till the end of yeah, time. Yeah, and you know you can still hear Janie's crying and ain't talking about love and running yeah. with the devil on the radio today. Yeah. So there's a there's a thing like with um with this album, I think that like I think gets neglected is the idea that like this this is this is happening at this point in very small segmented communities across the country. This is not really like an American thing yet where you're like Mm -mm. every place in America is a a Van Halen stronghold or a Bon Jovi stronghold. An important thing to point out. Rat Skid Row stronghold. An important thing to point out too is that MTV has not hit. No. So these guys don't have faces. Right. They don't have bodies. They don't. There were magazines. I mean, you know, there was, I think um, people caught on to Eddie's essential cuteness and David's, you know, sexual charisma pretty early on, and we're looking to display what, like, that. And cream, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, even even Rolling Stone and like advertisements. Yeah, okay. I mean, but, they were playing up the sexual heat. There, you weren't able to sort of see them in video yet. But they're but not on they, a cover. But the thing was, they also had, uh, you know, the benefit of DJs who really understood that this was a hot, hot sound. And, yeah. And there was a lot of jock competition back then, not as in jocks like sports jocks, but disc jockeys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they really wanted to outdo one another. And this thing caught on like wildfire. You had to have Van Halen one. Have you heard this? It's just like it leaves a divot in your in your like, you know, crotch hole. But it still took 10 months, though. It took 10 months for this to be a platinum record. And being a platinum That's record. That's true. And the, the idea but sales also, like, you know. No, but I'll put it like this. Most records that you say are platinum records in that era ship platinum 
So this means this means that this record. Well, if you're comparing to like Fleetwood Mac and stuff, right? Like I'm that. saying like yeah. this this record was obviously initially shipped in limited number. It yeah. wasn't a thing that was like in the front of the record store. Record store, God, record yeah. store. But um, this was not in the front. Like if you're walking by the record shop in your local community, this is not literally like plastered in the front. You don't have like maybe the guy who like runs the shop is like a real rock and roll guy so maybe like six months in so like by june he's got like the inside of the album like art like poster posted up it's somewhere. not that much different than the way led zeppelin ended up taking over the rock marketplace you know uh around about a decade uh, Prior previously to this, right? yeah. because essentially they didn't there wasn't really any built-in marketing for that type of music at that exact moment uh, the charts certainly did not reflect that, you know, those types of acts. Um, and it had a fuse, though. And the fuse was basically yeah. because there was a market that had already been primed somewhat, like of kids who were largely not being served by the sort of Chris Gows and the, and the you know, whoever are, were the, the gatekeepers the whole, like, of the man cool. kind of thing, right? Well, and, and, yeah. and I think ASRock had, had sort of, it was just peaking. Like that wave was just peaking into what you would get in the 80s, like the REO Speedwagon and Foreigners doing that. But, you know, like Boston was big then. And and all, and all these bands that were going out and filling stadiums. Right? Yeah, it was the beginning of corporate rock, the Midwestern right. bands like Sticks. And, and this hilariously was, was an alternative to corporate rock. Man, like <laughs> Foreigner. Okay, yeah. so that's the thing that like people Boston. have to understand too is like, okay, so you have like Midwestern rock, which is, is a thing. Mm-hmm. And then you have like corporate rock, which becomes a thing. So you're like right in between these things and you get like this. This is rock that's happening on the fringe. This is rock that is happening in like largely like like cocaine fueled underground to mainstream scenes like the plug scenes, the scenes where like something goes. It was just like is a West Coast party scene for kids. Right. It's really not that much different than the Beach Beach Boys. And and I don't know. The Beach Boys aren't necessarily all that wholesome when you look under the hood. Oh, gosh, no. Under the hood? Yeah, no. But but, but it is tapping into that mythical California where, you know, even the people in, you know, landlocked uh, inland. uh, But you want to be a part of that scene. You want to be part of that scene. It looked hot and cool. And and the kids, like I said, that pump has been primed for a long, long time. So. You know, maybe uh, maybe some of the gatekeepers might have missed its significance so, at first, but the market pretty quickly uh, so there's, told a different story. Yeah, so there's stuff like the Midwestern rock thing. I mean, it's so like the corporate rock thing. You look at like, so like, this is a thing that took a while because you have like a band like Kiss breaks in Detroit. That's why Detroit Rock City exists. Right, right. And like, so that's the kind of like. Cock rock, I guess, for lack of a better term. No, it's, that that's exactly what it is. Feeling, right? It's like this kind of like kiss thing. And so by this point, like kiss is right next to the era where they're going to take off the makeup. So the, like the bloom is kind of like off the mm-hmm. rose with that. Like they pop, were, pop they were quite a few years before the makeup uh, came off yet, but they were just about in the uh, the kiss uh, elder kiss meets the phantom of the park kind Man, of. Man, kiss made meets the phantom of the park is a great fucking movie. I don't need you to say shit about it. Oh no! One of the worst bands of all time. (laughs) So I can't high five you from here, but if not the actual worst band. So in any event, like you have this thing where that's that's what the expectation is, and there's no and there's no like I mean unless you like look at Beth as like this kind of like amazing ballad that presages the whole like you know rock ballad phase. But like I like Beth. It's a good song. That's wonderful. But uh, so you have this thing where it's like right in this little window where like people are reaching for like 
what's the next thing? What's the next aspirational rock thing going to be? Right. And that, that though, I think was a function of the record industry at the time when you had A&R. When right. It was, it was, it was. Contingent. But A&R's new. That's but, what I mean. But their, but their, their existence was contingent on finding the next hot right. thing. And so if you can sell, uh, and I think that's interesting that you say that. I don't necessarily agree, Casey, that the the Beach Boys were as lascivious as this. I mean, no, I don't think anybody really <laughs> yeah. no, keeps up with this. <laughs> but that's but the... we're not a facts-based podcast, so it's fine. It doesn't matter. But but but, yeah. but but what I'm saying is, like, if you're looking for the next great thing, it is so odd to be like, you know what the people in America will relate to? I mean, so pre-MTV, pre-internet, pre-even really... Uh, what, what are you going to put these guys no, but on? I'll Johnny Carson? No, but I'll tell you this, like, though. And, and they, they look to these guys, and the songs we played, and a song we're going to play soon, but I'll... And say, this is it? No, but I want to make a point about, like, America at this point, which is fascinating. It only hit me until, like, you said something, Mm -hmm. like, it just banged me over the head. Okay, so, like, the porn industry in 1978 is, like, a mainstream, like, monolith. Like, there's just, like, millions of dollars being invested in, like, naked people doing, like ridiculous things to each other yeah so you have like you know like so deep throat hits in like well, 72 the distribution costs were really high right you know the and, and so were the the production costs relative to the video cassette era right so like, as but, boogie nights tells us right but you're getting to this point though where like there's millions of dollars being made in pornography at this point yeah and it's like a thing that's like not as sh- much as it would be made in the 80s though. right but but, but then again van halen rode that exactly, same way yeah, yes, yes. this is exactly what i'm talking about so there's an a&r somewhere that's going this triangulates neatly between a thing that's like happening on the underground and another thing that's happening on the underground that I think that the mainstream is ready out. For. I mean, that's what's so great about the pre-algorithm era. You know what I mean? There was right. no way to see these things coming. Really, there were no there was no data to be culled that could help you anticipate but, this revolution. But you know that people are starting to get Thank open, God. right? But you know the idea that people are starting to get open to like boobs as like a marketing push. Like this is the marketing of this band. Boobs. It's the same thing as when Led Zeppelin, like, you know, Jimmy Page joined the Yardbirds as a bass player when uh, they got in a crunch after having recommended two of his friends prior to to, uh, be in the band, um, Jeff Beck replacing uh, Eric Clapton. Right. And then for briefly, they both, um, for one moment, they didn't really record much at all, which is a crying shame. They had Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page both on lead guitar, Mm -hmm. but Jeff Beck got stressed out and horny and quit. Uh, and Paige was left with a band with like really, really low morale and sort of um, uh, low expectations in terms of um, what they were going to do in the record market. But the live market, which Paige knew because he was out there actually plying the, you know, trotting the boards, was completely ready for this orgiastic, you know, next dimensional, uber heavy, hard rock, sex fuck machine. Well, of course and, you're going to have like in a, in a live space. I mean, you know, it's And I think these guys tuned into that yeah. same frequency and, and understood like something that the, the, the suits did not. And this is very different than something as eternal as, say, burlesque. You know, burlesque is all about like the right. tease. It's no, all this about is, like, hey, this is, this is very much my cock's in your face. What are you going to do about it? To that end, uh, cocks and faces in this cast. No, yeah, cocks well, and faces. I like it. Cocks and faces. Boot, tits, asses. But, okay, so, so it's like. So, yeah. but, but, but to that end, I want to. I want to do that, and, and then we'll just we'll get into that because I think this is going a very interesting direction here. Uh, with the cocks, you mean? Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah, actually, no, with no, the cocks, I think more, it's going. It's more, in the, dude, it's more the than tits and the cocks because the tits no, come to no, the show. No, I don't think it is. And, 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 but I think it's and, the, it's and the and combination because you have an entire song, baby. Yeah, you have an entire song here. That is literally about cops. Yes. And it's called Ice Cream Man. 
Ah, now summertime's here, babe. Need something to keep you cool. Better look out now, though. Dave's got something for you. Tell you what it is. I'm your ice cream man. Stop me when I'm passing by. Oh, my, my, I'm your ice cream man. Stop me when I'm passing by. Sing now all my flavors are guaranteed to satisfy. Hold on a second, baby. I got put my banana Dixie cups. All flavors and push-ups too. I'm your ice cream man, baby. Stop me when I'm passing by. Sing now all my flavors are guaranteed to satisfy. Hold on one more. Well, I'm usually passing by just about 11 o'clock. <laughs> I never stop. I'm usually passing by just around 11 o'clock. And if you let me cool you one time, you'll be my regular stop. All right, boys. I'm going to put my banana pixie cups on flavors and push up to about David Lee Roth's cock. Would you like, I don't know, to lick it? What, what, what do you want to do with David Lee Roth's cock? I mean, you could push. It's a push pop. It's a push up. It's a push pop. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, a push up as he calls that's, it. That's amazing. Whatever flavor you like comes in different sizes. I mean, come on. It does? <laughs> ah, that's cool. It's, it's biologically different than most humans, but there again, David, <laughs> David, David Lee Roth, Roth is not most humans. You literally could have released that song in 2017. I don't think you could because there's no... Uh, you know that takes the uh, cute fifties pop songwriting, right? And being like, oh, you know, ice cream cone. You know what I'm talking about, really? I just the instrumentation just pushes right in your friends. Like, no, it's just got. Okay, so not that I've ever taken cocaine a day in my life, but there's a whole thing about being coked out of your mind, hmm? where you strip all nuance away from all words, and it's just like white hot nasty in your face, like. This there's literally no like 
way of saying that I'm saying something other than what I'm saying. Well, strangely, we were, I was talking about this uh, today with my lady. Right. Yeah. <laughs> of course. And, and and no, it it, it is uh, like any intoxicant. It, it is barrier lowering. But with right. cocaine, uh, it leads to uh, it, there's something fancier about it. Right. The stigma. And and, and you uh, decide that you have to do fancy like rock star, porn star shit, which isn't actually true because really – all you are is really jacked up, and you're gonna feel like shit. Cocaine in the doesn't yeah. really make you. Uh, not that I, I don't know this. I'm just kidding. I totally know this. <laughs> I'm just kidding from direct experience here. It makes you. It makes two things happen. Like you got to take a shit, and that needs to happen soon. And uh, is there something else that we need to be doing? Yes. And whatever that is, right. let's figure it out and go and do it. Unless and apparently you're in Los Angeles, that's, and that thing is probably more cocaine, but is not limited to that. It can also include yeah. you know banging porn stars like the president. Yep. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. There it is. But no. But that's the that's the the genius of yeah, that's the that, sick, that Christian that right. Christian president. Yeah, that's first. the sick perverted genius of this song is that like you you get real like coked up and you're like and, and I'm not like and I'm not like intimating that this happened. I'm sure this happened. Of like, course. I'm 175 percent sure this happened because it was 1978 in North America. I think I think Edward Van Halen had a problem with his like he was a drinker. Uh, but, but he also think it had a problem, like he had uh, something with his sinuses related to cocaine. I mean, yeah, I mean everybody was doing everything. Yeah. But Ed couldn't get Ed, Ed wouldn't play without like a. I can't remember how many twelve packs of of like Bud, but it was pretty, pretty heavy, pretty scary. Like the Michael amount, Anthony had the Jack Daniels bass, yeah, and of it just sort did. of makes you wonder like how he could actually uh, retain that sort of precision um, ability under mm-hmm. that much booze. I he he started to. To not be able to do that, I think um, shortly before he cleaned yeah. up and got back together with um, Diamond Dave mm-hmm. for the sort of legit Van Halen reunion minus Michael Anthony. With his son on bass. With so, Wolfie. Yeah, yeah Wolfie. so there's this thing about this song. I like Wolfie. Hmm? There's this thing about this song that, like, you, I can just imagine that after you record it and then you hear it later, you're, like, stunned that you yeah. actually recorded this song. Like when you like finally are like sober and you're like sitting there maybe you're like never you know, sober that's uh, that day's never gonna come no but yeah. there's that no yeah, but there's a moment it, sure never that, ends man but I'm sure there's a moment though like even like, like 1987 year, right where you just stop <laughs> there's a moment in 1987 all right right you get the alimony yeah. and your accountant comes over and you just stop and you're just like holy shit we recorded ice cream man yeah fuck well I mean and you think about this song versus like songs we didn't play aren't gonna play but. The songs that are more... Ice Cream Man's a cover, though. It's not like he came up with that. Right. No, like but a... it's the fact that you thought to play Ice Cream Man. Like, you're in the studio. You can play any song in the whole, like, well, rock keep, but Situate that with the times. Like, Aerosmith did Big Ten Inch. It was another old uh, sort of um, uh, black uh, novelty yeah. R&B song, R&B jazz song. Right. I mean, it's up there with um, Travel and Riverside Blues by Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. too, where it's like, you know, the kind of thing where you're just like, okay... But this feels like that era in a way where you're just like, I can just imagine there's a day, honestly, where you wake up and you're like, oh, shit, we did Ice Cream Man. Fuck. I don't know. I'd be pretty psyched about it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's just because it's just so blatant. Like, there's just something about it. Well, you know, I might like my accountant says that I don't have any more money and I've got a raging Coke habit. But fuck, I wrote ice cream, man. (laughs) It's crazy. Like, it's just a crazy thing. Like, if you're okay, so if you're like a relatively huge person, not to anybody, like you've done almost 400 podcasts in a basement with 
three cats running around. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, like you've like actually played rock music at our maybe, you know, like at, at a point, you know, of your life, you feel like you've like been like a rock star on some level. And for me, like I've written over a million words in my life. So none of us are really hinged. But if you're like, I have written a million words too. Look awesome. Little, little buddy. I love it. Yes, you have. <laughs> yes, you have. I was just trying to find differentiators. <laughs> I was like fucking with Marcus. Marcus uh, excuse oh. me i i haven't had any sleep and i'm recovering yeah, yeah. from a flu i love it i love it it's fine it makes this makes this great it actually like the, it's just... i feel like joe pesci in this podcast i'm just busting balls so it's great but uh so in any event like you have all this stuff so if you're like a hinged person who's ben like Halen really brings out the, the right. goomba in me so <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that so that is going in the fucking credits. So <laughs> I marked it. So if you're a, a hinge person and like you're you're like aware of Van Halen, like this this kind of song is a kind of thing mm. that you're just like appalled by. You're stunned by. You're like, how? Did now listen, there's exist? only one rule for Van Halen one, and I think like all of their records would have been awesome if they'd only stuck by this cardinal rule of Van Halen, which is do the thing that is bitching. And this album yeah. is all of the choices represent that. Well, let philosophy. me look, look at some of the other songs on this. And, and actually, I, I said that was going to be a lesson, but I want to play one other song because I fucking love this fucking song. Jamie's crying? Best, uh-huh. Fucking Jamie's crying. Fucking Jamie's crying. And, and, but you look at uh, songs like I'm the One, which is Great song. not quite about his so, cock, but it is, it is pretty <laughs> a little, much a little high energy. A little there. high energy. Um, feel your love tonight, which is like can definitely cannot exist. That in the gets Me on Too like world. a white snake level of like yeah. you kind of little dreamer is like the the. I want sold the sex better than I any want sold the sex yeah. with David Coverdale in real life. But you know, like songs like real slide thing. it in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, so, and that's or what I'm talking like about. Like ACDC, sink the well, pink. Well, and that let where it gets those things a little, pink, exactly. little too on it's the like, nose. What, what is, or what's the, the metaphor you're talking about here? I don't understand. But like Jamie's crying is 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 a weird narrative a it's it's a story it's a good it, it's a it's, it's a story song it's noir yeah he doesn't do a ton of story songs and because he's too busy talking about his and cock. out of the songs we played this is the only one that Sometimes gets, this is related the to his cock it's cock adjunct is it yeah because janie why is janie's crying because she can't get any more of that cock oh wait okay let's play it because Damn. i don't i don't remember it that way but maybe i'll i'm gonna listen to it okay hold on a second When I, and you'll scoff at this, Casey, but uh, maybe our listeners will be impressed. Or nobody will. Uh, when, I, when I first got that that rhythm, 
part down. That was like such an accomplishment. Oh, I don't scoff at it. I I, I struggled for, for as a guitar as a budding guitar player. Yeah. I was just like, this is cool. And a lot of it has to do with the tone, which we we yeah. I want to talk a little yeah. bit about. And we haven't really gotten into the technical expertise of this album. I mean, let's try to translate it for non-guitar nerds. It's like a bit of a challenge, but it's also kind of fun because it's essential, yeah, yeah. essential to what makes it special. It's So he's using modified strats and yeah. basically at some point decided, hey, man, I'm going to fucking build his own pickups. I can't remember like his, how far he went. He, he was a he's a he's a uh He's a retooler and a hacker, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, of, of guitar uh, gear. Um, I think his amplification is interesting, too. It's actually pretty straightforward, a lot of the, yeah, like, what it we're is. hearing. Yeah, it is, and of, that's what's, like, that's what's crazy. is coming out of like his, his hands, as they say, as the cliche goes, but in his case, it's very, very mm-hmm. true. Uh, any outboard stuff is very sort of um, basic. Like, he'll have a wah, but he won't rock it back and forth in the wah, 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 Jimi Hendrix, like, yeah, voodoo yeah. child way. But, like, he'll use it as a tone uh, control yeah. so he can get, you know, a little bit more of a nasal sound or a scooped sound with, when he wants with, to cut Which is right down a wah in a very, in case people don't know, is it, it, it's basically an envelope filter. And what that does is open up how the signal yeah. is processed through here. And, yeah. and like you said, he uses a different – Jimi Hendrix, if you use it extremely like that, it goes, like, crazy. Very quick if, variations on the treble and bass mm-hmm. ranges of the instrument. Exactly. And if you use it like this, though, you can wow, set wow, you wow, can wow, set wow. a wah back just a thing and and completely change what you're doing. If you could hold it maybe in the nasal position, it's basically it's not an on off pedal, but it has a sweepable range. Yep. And so you know, in this range, you can sort of leave the thing cocked at like a more nasally treble position, cock, cock, and it kind of digs <laughs> in a little rock. bit. Uh, Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath um, would do that. Jimmy Page also did it. Eric Clapton did it. It was a, not an, an an unknown technique. Uh, who did it? But Eddie would... Uh, what's that? Who did it? Eric, Eric Clapton? Clapton, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Uh, well, Eric Clapton <laughs> was one of the guys who brought the wah out into um, the lead guitar arsenal, um, maybe among the first. Uh, but anyway, Ed, Ed did, used it because it really brought out elements of his tone. Um, Beyond what he was getting out of his amp and his hands, he also worked the the volume knob on his guitar mm-hmm. um, very capably. Because when you have distortion, which is the the heavy sound, and also can create the the sort of searing leads that we associate with genres like hard rock and metal, that is like an amp that's cranked to ten with the guitar's uh, 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 volume dimed, as they say, as well, also on 10. Right. But when you're using, like, real, you know, pickups and going straight into an amplifier with very little in the way like, that gets in the way of that signal path, you can control the amount of gain, uh, yeah. you know, on your guitar, which he does at, at various times to sort of go in between lead and rhythm as well. So he's a really kind of sophisticated player using... Not incredibly sophisticated gear right. modded to his specifications, so he can get the tone. Well, and later he would. He would, he would get his own line of fifty-one fifty amps. Right. The Paul Reed Smith fifty-one fifty yeah, guitar. Yeah, sounded like, yeah, sounded like shit. Yeah, it actually <laughs> kind of did. Um, but you know, and, and the sound that we're referring to is called the brown sound. Yeah, and, and, and that is though. I think in any guitarist, you know, with him, when, when I think of guitars coming through the fingers, I think of like Richie Blackmore. I think of uh, definitely Garcia and stuff. I, I do think of Edward Van Halen as that, but also it's his interaction with the technology 
that yeah. seems to be he seems to be more plugged into technology than other guitarists. I think so. Well, you know, Dick Dale kind of created that tradition. Yeah, he was right, a guy yeah. that like created this a whole opportunity for the marriage of like rock and roll gunslingers and and amp makers and pedal makers and guitar makers to sort of coexist because he kept blowing out his amplifiers mm -hmm. and so he went to Leo Fender and he was like, make me something that doesn't um, that I don't uh, blow the tubes on when I push this thing. And then the next request was, um, make it, can you put something in it? Can you put reverb in the thing? He wanted it to sound yeah, like the yeah, waves, like right. the, the tunnel uh, that you hear when you're surfing. Uh, also the same thing with the whammy bar. So that guy was making special requests. Uh, Jimi Hendrix had a guy, uh, Jimmy Page had a guy, and, so, and yeah. a lot of them did tinkering themselves. Page tinkered himself uh, a lot. Eddie is a big-time tinkerer, yeah. and I think um, some of his secrets he was really, really, even though, again, we know that the signal path is pretty primitive, some of his fine-tuned secrets he was loath to, um, to uh, make known much like he would turn his back to the audience when he did his two-hand tapping technique because yeah. he didn't want people right. jockeying his style. Um, pretty soon, the cat was out of the bag, and every single guitarist on the Sunset Strip was, like, you know, uh, yeah. doing two-hand tapping. But for a while, it was though Eddie, like, had some particular peculiar magic, and he did, but it really was the synthesis of all of his sort of experiments as a player and as somebody who could open up the guts of his, his tools, his axe and his amplifier. The only other piece of like uh, equipment that he used on the, in, in sort of to get his tone was a phaser pedal, uh -huh. which yeah. is essentially um, based on the idea of a rotating speaker. So like if you had a microphone in front of a, a rotating speaker, there's something called a Leslie cabinet. Uh, it came from the world of organs, actually. Yep. It was an extra dimensional mm -hmm. effect applied to organs that would create the illusion of shifting space of the of the tone produced by the instrument by actually having a rotating speaker cone. And so the microphone would pick up the sort of different phase mm -hmm. of that sweep. Well, somebody figured out how to express that in a in a in a you know with transistors. Uh, and uh, yeah. Eddie had one of the early ones. I think it was probably an MXR pedal. So guitarists will know it by sight. It's orange, one knob. Yeah. Uh, but he uses that on stuff like um, uh, "Ain't Talking About Love" and "Janie's Crying." But in terms of the technique, Kevin, I was you know it's no big deal. Like a lot of this stuff is hard. Uh, to play for beginners, but at the same time, it represents a, a, a first rung for folks, uh, a lot of whom become excellent guitar players, because, you know, th there is a lot of this stuff is simple enough to play. You can grab a lot of this. Yeah. And it almost was if Ed was like sort of like doing that on purpose. He held back a lot of the flash, well, but when he would unleash it, it was like, you know, he's also, hailed, he's also hailed as one of the greatest guitar heroes of, like, of all time. Right. Like one of the greatest guitarists of all time. And I think like to that point to what you were just talking about is that people think that it is like the speed and stuff and it's all that stuff. It's not. It's the ability it's to rip out that. to rip out like even the just those little like pit bends in the beginning that define Jamie's crying. Like There's that. like four people that really changed the language of the instrument. Yeah. Uh, Jimi Hendrix is one of them, Eddie Van Halen is one of them, believe it or not, Edge from U two is one of them, but yeah, for he completely absolutely is. completely different reasons. I absolutely can't stand that movie with Edge, Jimmy Page, and Jack White. I think it's one of the worst oh, movies yeah, ever yeah, made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anybody who's a guitar player just hates that movie. Mm -hmm. I swear to God. Um, but but you know, Edge deserves to be considered in people who changed the palette of the guitar, which is really what we're talking well, about. Well, and, and to what, what we're it sounds like, what can be talking done about with if it. you jump up forward to Octoon Baby, like on the on the fly, he's using that wah pedal in a very different way, and and that's why he he has and he continues to I think change language, however shitty. The music of the band U2 as a whole has become 
But well, he, he's in, he's interested in in guitar as a as a um, painterly instrument and yeah. the, you know the use and, of and delays, digital delays and stuff. Ed was obviously Eddie is obviously much more of a, a virtuos a virtuosic player. Yeah, uh, and he relies heavily on on technique, but he's also a very classy player, and I think that was something that was missing from a lot of the folks who came who arrived in his wake. You know, it was as though it was a race to go the fastest and have the most souped up engine mm-hmm. under the hood. But at the end of the day, you know, is that a car a fun thing to drive? Or are you gonna are you gonna feel good <laughs> yeah. like going around like you know Pacific Coast Highway with a babe in that thing? You know, and and again, make the bitchin' choice. And and Ed always yeah. made the bitchin' choice. Yeah, and, and and he always put it in at least in this album. And back to what we were talking about, Jamie's crying in a song about Cox. Right. No, and, <laughs> and yeah, so. It's- there's there's things about James uh, James crying that are like important I think to like understanding Van Halen they're like one of the great American rock bands in the sense that like we were talking off mic about like the fact that they're in that hook you have like the Leslie Gore style girl group you know mm-hmm. like you know vocal they know pop it's killer pop right and that's the best and, and that's the thing is like and they always have and that's the thing that makes Van Halen work it's like you have this like virtuosic stuff that's going on like so if you don't understand the language of the guitar the language of like how great songs are made like the songs still connect with you because they take these tropes that are tropes they're they're very mm-hmm. well defined well that's why i think it's it's really lame when when folks attack certain bands for lack of sophistication you know i i had i was in a band with a guy once you know it was a two guitar band so there were two of us um and you know he was like bitching about acdc and the sort of primitivism of of, of acdc and i was like and he was kind of like dissing angus young and i was like no man the solo to back in black is, <laughs> yeah or hell's Phenomenal. bells the solo oh, to hell's no, bells don't, even, don't, like, even, don't even step over that just the solo to back in black yes yeah. like Come on. like that's it it's that's, he's, he grabs it he's going i mean, for I mean it. here's the thing like in any song that you're doing whether it was back then i mean it's through the entirety of recorded music like it it is about just making it work for the person there's there's a space i mean look he spawned people like Joe Satriani, Steve. He didn't spawn Steve Vai, but Steve Vai certainly benefited from right. from Van Halen being out there. Um, I think he kind of did spawn Steve Vai. Actually, you know honest. what? He might because uh, you know I was thinking eighties Steve. Well, Vai, Z- well, well, Vai came up Vai was through the Zappa, Zappa school, school, Zappa school, so it's sort. But you know, Zappa at that point was pulling from people who who were post Eddie Van Halen, right? And, you know, it was really the the era was much closer, much more compact and compressed than like. You know, you're talking about the the late '70s and and early '80s when Vi would have been brought in, but originally Vi was brought in to transcribe Zappa solos. Absolutely, because yeah. Frank was like, I, you know, I hear but, you're a nerd. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but for them as a unit, and whether this is attributed to like strictly to Edward Van Halen having the vision, or it's, I mean, because we know they don't work together well. Uh-uh. That 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 look that. Proved to be the Ed case. Doesn't, Ed doesn't work with anybody well except for his brother and you know apparently his son. Yeah, apparently his son. Yeah, but 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 they in what was being sold and continued to be sold as hard rock was really this fucking like existentially amazing pop that that exploded the idea of what pop could be, um, and because of that, I don't see so. If somebody were to do a song like Jamie's Crying, like, I don't even know what that would entail or if it's even possible in 2018. Like, I mean, okay, so it's, it's funny. I was like, listening. what would it be? EDM? Would it be hip hop? Yeah, no, would it be. Okay, so it's funny. Where would this Oh, surface? God. 
it's funny because I had literally had an argument with someone last night about this. In about preparing Jamie's for crying? this podcast, like about Jamie's, Jamie's crying and songs okay. of its ilk. Okay. okay, so Justin Timberlake is attempting to fuse multiple styles of uh, genres of music into this current album that he's putting out. But and the, the first two singles two, are trap songs, right? But clear. they're but huh. they're trap songs in this in in like the the non conventional sense because they're trying to paint I, everything. Yeah. So like Pharrell's trying to paint everything around the trap song, but still leave the trap drums. And it's like okay, and the stuff that's so around he's, it. He's trying to make trap popular to the white audience, right? Cool, exactly, cool exactly. So you have this thing with with Van Halen's debut album where like. They try to like paint everything around this like metal thing that's happening mm-hmm. and it works. Yeah. Because they know the inroads. Like and you have to be unafraid of them. Like in a way that's like almost like obtrusive. Like we're going to obtrusively step into this room yeah, and I, do the exact thing. I so, don't know how you stumble across that. Again, it seems like it's a real simple recipe, but the fact that these guys actually figured it out a bolt-on Beach Boys harmonies against a, like a hard rock it. chassis with like a with a guy who was uh, pulling from neoclassical, uh, you know, traditions on his instrument, that's a strange mix. I, I think maybe part it's, of the component is is you 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 stumble across that by being amazing narcissist, right? But you have, <laughs> like, but you have to be willing. Look, you have to believe that what you're doing is is has never been done in the history of anything, even though. You can reference, and you're hyper aware of like the influences. Yeah. Well, that's what's from. funny about about, about Roth because he's hanging yeah, out in a band with like you know guys. Two guys could be considered sort of virtuoso. I mean, especially Ed, but Alec yeah. Van Halen is no slouch on trumps. Michael Anthony is not a virtuoso player, at least not as revealed, uh, you know, in Van Halen. But he's a he's a rock solid instrumentalist and a really a, truly mm-hmm. essential to the harmony stack. Which means he can sing, which is something that David Lee Roth isn't necessarily the most uh, wasn't. That's maybe probably not even born to do. No, exactly. Well, but and that's he the thing. Sure that, that's work. narcissism. That that's just like yes. you know what I want to do. I'm gonna sing. Fuck all you. You think I can't sing? Fuck you. But, I'm gonna but sing. cocaine can really aid right. in that. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Those delusions. Yeah. But uh, but the thing is, is like you have to be willing to like boldly step. I was like, I was having this argument last night, and I was like, well, the problem with the Pharrell songs is that like. He's not willing to like step into the fullness of like what it entails to like I'm gonna make a gospelized trap song. Like he's not willing to like step it. He's gonna like paint the the lines and no. Also, like, he doesn't wink, you know, enough. Hey. Like he, it's like it, he he's probably like you know both deadly serious about about it, but also not really going the whole hog. Whereas Van Halen go the whole hog. And it's a, it's a little bit tongue in cheek. The hog and when, the piglets. The when whole I deal. think about David yeah. Lee Roth's Roth stick, I'm reminded of uh, of Steve Martin. Right. Wild. He's like a wild and crazy yep. guy. Yes, yep. he you is. Know? And you ha- and you can't. There's something clownish about it that he embraced and mm-hmm. and and just totally ran with the whole band. And that's what makes this work. Again, like this <laughs> argument I was having last night, I was explaining like the whole thing has to be 11 out of 10. You have to turn it up to 11 and literally just like run into like. Beyond red into the purple, like you know, to, to quote a phrase, for the whole yeah. time, like you have to be willing to be like, okay, we're gonna purple run into the purple like an engorged member. There it is, exactly. Well, and let's uh, let's let's go there. Well, right you might now. need to go right, to the right, doctor right, right now. Yeah, you might need to go there. Yeah. on the shade. It, 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 it's over. It's over four yours. hours. You have to go to the doctor. Right. <laughs> and with Van Halen, it will be, baby. So so, so let's go there because I think this is where you're, you're getting to, uh, yeah. Marcus. Is is that there has been a 
rapid and mass desexualization yes. of music, but not completely desexing it. It's what we've had a lot of conversation about soul music. Right. Instead of having nuance, instead of being, introducing romance to it, it's just like, I'm going to fuck you in your nose. And it's yes. like, what are you doing? I don't know. <laughs> I don't want that. Yeah. But, but, but like, that is like what it's come to instead of nuance. Instead of this is like very, and honestly, most of the career is very much based on, you know this guy. Yeah. He's just a seedy dude hanging out on the Sunset Strip. Yes, he is. But you all- Are you it, making a case for Van Halen's nuance? It's so yes. amazing. It's yes. like the Trump era has- It's, like it's, it's, coming, it's, so, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. It's coming, so, it's true. So, so, you know, you have like what they're doing and and recognizing, instead of looking at what they're doing as some sort of like anomaly or a abhorrent thing, there's a pocket of stuff that celebrates that. Yeah. Oh, Totally. And that's what I mean by desexualizing. We we clearly have sex in music, still, right? Yeah. But 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 we it has to be a certain thing, and it has to be, and it's either it's either blunt, like right. we fucking, or it's just all romance and no right. fucking, and and so that that is lost. And you listen to something like this, and it's I, like I can't imagine being a kid it's... picking this up and listening to it and being like, I don't get it. Right, because the thing is... Because they great, wouldn't get it. The thing that's great about Van Halen... Their is loins of, are girded. Right, is that part of this band operates at 11 out of 10. Yeah. And it's like... <laughs> but the stuff that's under it operates at such a level of, like, nuance, and such a level of, like, such a high level of, like, we're going to, like, consciously do all of these things that, at, at such a high level. Yeah. That it's like, okay, so the part that's 11 out of 10 is going to stand at the front and just, like, beat at the vagina of the world... <laughs> With like, you know, with like furious ambition. And then like, you know, like it sounds like um <laughs> This is good. It sounds like Samuel L. Jackson like delivering like a like a soliloquy yeah. or something. But I'm just saying, that's what it is. What it I, does. I wanna rewind that. What did you actually say? Beat at the vagina of the world with furious ambition. Yes, exactly. And that's what it yeah. does, you know. And so I will beat at the <laughs> vagina of the world. <laughs> With furious ambition. Yep. Right, and that's what it's doing. But at the bottom of it, it's like, okay, we're going to, you know, like subtly seduce you with these amazing tonalities and with, you know, polyrhythms that haven't existed in music in 15 years. And we're going to make this thing happen. And then at the top, it's like, Furious ambition, and you're just, and it's, well, and it's a weird thing. You, just, you mentioned during a break, and I think this is actually relatable to this, uh, and, and is yeah, maybe yeah, a, key to, a key unlocking <laughs> this for, uh, younger listeners who, who aren't here to celebrate this or listen to us interrupt each other all for like an hour and a half. Fucking wonderful. But, but, um, you mentioned, you know, the Aziz and Sorry thing. Yeah. And, and how that was seen. This is not a culture of permission that Van Halen were operating. No, not at all. No, not, not and, and, and that's it's actually, I think, I mean, it is understood by the creators of this that everybody wants David Lee Roth Scott. Right. And if you don't, tough shit. Yeah. You're going to get I it. I think it might have been misunderstood as well. Uh, uh, yeah, it yeah. It was, a, as they say, a different time. It was yeah. a different time. And... And and so not, I I think not just Ice Cream Man I think like this whole this whole like genre like is cast into a, a very different light, yeah. Uh, but not necessarily. They literally called it cock rock. They called yeah. They literally called the cock yeah. rock. Yeah, but, 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 but not necessarily a as as we figure shit out like not necessarily a a, a thing that you just cast aside. Right. 
So human beha- never mind human sexuality, but human behavior has so many like different facets that we can't even like we'll never figure it out. Right. We will never figure it out. Right. And to just say, okay, these do like David Lee Roth is grabbing his co- crotch and wearing spandex. Uh, everybody else is sort of on fire, and it's clear they did coke. They made an album about like David Lee Roth's cock. Yeah. And to say that that isn't part. Or is, is of a different time and is invalid. Like that's just not true. Yeah, like, I mean, cock is always valid. I, I do know that I, I personally, <laughs> no, no. I personally have not said cock this many times <laughs> since my since my exit interview at Mike Pence's gay conversion camp. It, <laughs> ca- comes with the jokes. Comes so, with the jokes. But, but so, like, to that to that Aziz point, like, okay, so like the the tragedy of the whole Aziz Ansari thing is that like it just boils down to a dude. Who like as, like many dudes listen to a record like this mm-hmm. and took every single cue about like what human sexuality was. Yeah, yeah. And well, then, it, and then and you apply, you're talking about how just how art influences. Yeah. And then you apply it in the real world. And if you're not David Lee Roth, <laughs> and you try to do the same thing, you fail miserably. Oh, yeah. And you're like you're gonna fail. And you're like how I can't put my fingers in her mouth and have her blow me. Yeah. No. Well, you can, but again, like it, it, context is super important. Right. Exactly. And you don't have the context because you're literally not David Lee Roth. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do about that. And that's the and that's the the, the crazy thing about records like this. And that's the thing I think that you miss a lot now in music is that the archetype that the album creates is so pervasive mm-hmm. that it makes everybody want. To be the star. Everybody wants some, as Van Halen would say. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, like, and the thing is, is that we've done this thing in music now where we, like, where you let the people in. Where it's like, okay, you could be yeah. the star. Because the star is so relatable. Mm-hmm. There's literally nothing relatable to actual no. everyday human life. No, and when you and when you saw kid, with David and when you saw kids around your hometown trying to like emulate this, it was just like, what the flying fuck are you doing? Okay, so so a funny story. Yeah, unless it was Casey, did you try to emulate this? Do I try to emulate it? No, did you? Well, were you wearing spandex? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> okay, no, because like I, here's the thing. The, the, just a personal digression, because at the top I said I talked about how difficult it was to sort of come up in the post Eddie era. My interests on uh, were primarily Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd. Right. I really like Black Sabbath. You know, I, I like that, you know, sort of heavy, epic, uh, classic rock thing. And I grew up on all the rest of classic rock, too, because, you know, Kevin and I are old enough to remember radio stations. The classic rock radio stations were a little bit more. They weren't classic rock yet. Yeah, you know they were like uh, album-oriented radio state rock radio stations that sure. would kind of play like a wide variety of stuff in the rock category. It was, you know, a little bit uh, on the progressive edge meets the corporate rock stuff that was coming up. Um, I was sort of brought up with that in the background, but when I started playing music, I gravitated towards you know Led Zeppelin and and uh, what happened for me with guitar was that. Eddie Van Halen became like the icon largely through the path that you described, Kevin, where people becoming super saturated and aware because of the jump video and Marcus, you talked about it too. Yeah. So then suddenly you had that wave of folks who really were, um, you know, the sunset strip hair metal bands. They all had that flashy um, guitar player up front 
you know, shredding it up. And if you were interested in like other stuff, you were kind of not cool as a guitar player. You could kind of, there was a back channel that you could follow through thrash metal, which I did a little bit, but it was also wasn't my main interest. I can play all that stuff. I learned it all. I was more interested in that to tell you, there's more interested yeah. in, in thrash than I was this, but I didn't really, nothing really made sense to me until I heard the weird fusion of punk rock, black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin that came out of um, the Pacific Northwest. Right. And then also Jane's addiction. And, and cause I, I was into them in on the triple X live album, which was before nothing shocking. And before yeah. my mom got me into Jane's addiction. That's how cool. Like my background nice. was um, awesome with, with like, like, you know, cool music like that. that my, my mom was like really inter- interested in cool music. So like I got, she sometimes would find stuff that she thought that I would like just because it yeah. reminded her of like stuff that she liked when, you know, she was, um, you know, a teenager like Led Zeppelin when it was really happening for the first time. Yeah. And so some of that stuff would fall in that category, but the, the hardest thing to deal with as a guitar player who wanted to be a good guitar player. Like mm-hmm. I grew up like going in the Mahavishnu orchestra, John McLaughlin kind of like, you know, fusion shred direction until I, you know, got a better notion of it, you know, and, and, and calmed the fuck down. Yeah. So it's not like I'm against like playing really fast, complicated stuff with like a high degree of like uh, aptitude. But it was so, so, so ever present. Everywhere you would go, somebody would be doing sweep arpeggios and two hand tapping on their guitar. Yep. I went to, um, I left high school when I was 16 and I went to my state college just to, for their jazz guitar program because I was one of those kids that was good enough to have the opportunity to do that in aud- through audition. And, you know, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying it was, it was yeah. something that happened. Like, I don't know that I got really like super, super good. Right. But it, but at that point I was on the, on the path to, to something at that time, everybody in the hallway everywhere was like, just doing, um, well, tap, 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 tap. And, 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 uh, and I, uh, it was almost infuriating. A slightly different version of that is that the back pages of guitar magazine weren't full of like, like art rock. They're full of like this. They're yeah. full of like this. And, and I sound like, yeah, send away for like, you know, figure out how to be the fastest shredder or or like th- uh, this will slow down the tape without changing the pitch or whatever yeah. the gimmick was. So you could learn these complicated oh, guitar. Yeah, parts. I forget about that. The yeah. tablature, the tab- oh, tablature, in, in all of the guitar. You, you don't know that one, but it was awful. It was, no, no, no. It was I, crazy. no I'm, I'm perfectly aware. Okay. You really like, couldn't escape it. And I would get a guitar magazine hoping that they would like. You know, uh, transcribe like uh, a Jane's Addiction song just because like yeah. that stuff was just starting to come up. And or then I'd when get, they did, you were I'd like, I get lucky fuck. with like an so REM like, song, even though I didn't really want to play it. At least it wasn't like you know Nuno Betancourt or something. <laughs> okay, okay, so so all right, this will this will this is related to to Van Halen. And I can this, play that shit. Related, yeah, yeah related I just to this. like it just was horrible to be surrounded by. And so I blamed that on Eddie. Don't like, fear the decadence. I play. Oh, I blamed man. that on Eddie for a long time, and it was a real hindrance to yeah, me. Yeah, accepting and, and my, that's what we were talking, accepting so my like, own actual real love of Van Halen. And now I, I am like, I go to fucking bad for them, and I realize that they were really kind of a formative influence in a whole set of other ways. But the 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 frustrating part for me was that guitar heroism that Eddie represented, because it meant that you know everyone's so conformist. 
Well, you it's have like, to play it's, exactly it's, like It's what we like do that. in culture, period. So, it's like we find somebody who does something fucking excellent, and then we're like, let's see if we can all do it right, less. Right. So now I, I don't give a shit, because guitar is like practically dead in popular culture, yeah. and, and, and rock is a neat. Yeah. So I so I went to I went to I went away to Greeley, Pennsylvania, to Camp Shahola for Boys between nineteen ninety three and nineteen ninety three. And this is the era of like again, guitar mag being a thing. Yeah. And the back pages of guitar mag being a thing. And so I definitely remember each 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 year there was somebody in my cabin who definitely had a bass guitar it definitely was like Michael Anthony is the guy that I have to be like, and then like well, you can get that job done in five minutes except right. for the vocal thing. <laughs> and then they were, and then they were like, and they would sit there, and they always had like the tabs of these like because they would get them like you bring them up to camp, and then they the whole thing was like we had like the one brother sister camp with like camp and team, so we have to dance. Yeah, and so like the big part of the dance was always like the dude with the bass guitar playing like some fucking variation of van halen and whatever was cool at the time and like that was a whole thing and it was like and so people don't understand like this album spawned literally 15 years of like musical culture i think so that like it did in, that and some of it was yeah. annoying i look Everyone. back fondly now but i mean like i love poison i did same I, here I, I, yeah i mean i have a poison yeah. t-shirt yeah I, it, I, they make they make me laugh i like cc deville's personality i like cc deville too but like his personality, his personality, not yeah, his, yeah. not his actual playing. Well, but he's the first one to admit it. You know, like I what? heard him say, like I had all the influences to become a great guitar player, but somehow between the turntable and my hands, it got lost. I like a man who can admit that. You get an impression. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if we ever need a special guest on the show, I think uh, we'll tap you here. That was great. That was really that was a nice deal. If you listen to this whole podcast and you gain nothing, and then all of a sudden, at least you know, in case you can do a mean CC Deville, and we're not talking about his plane. <laughs> uh, Talk to me. Uh, you, you know, but yeah, like I said, it, 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 what it spawned, like, persisted. It got, it went to weird places. Like, uh, you mentioned Whitesnake. Uh, Although White Snake is really funny because White Snake comes directly from a British hard rock tradition yeah, of some legitimacy. Right, of some because because Coverdale is, in, is amazing. Purple. He was in Deep Purple. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and 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 that's like mining, like like mining the worst parts of Led Zeppelin for increasingly diminishing returns. By the time you get to the '80s, though, yeah, it's had joined the sort of yeah the delta of like hawk uh, and <laughs> vagina. No, but, but seriously, I, I but, think but, you, I think you overlooked it. I once sold David Coverdale a sex toy in real life. Are you serious? Yes. What was it? What I was worked the toy? at the I worked at the pleasure place, and you I sold tell, him. Can you tell? I, can yeah, you, I can totally tell the story. Shit, I we're not going to get sued for libel. I actually, yeah, no. I actually, actually, especially because it's true. That's no, how I our libel laws work. I sold him Mr. A President. Suddenly, a facts based podcast. I sold, him, I sold him a cock ring in real life. Suddenly, okay, like in real life, I definitely <laughs> sold David Coverdale a cock ring. Like he definitely walked in with like two groupies, and it was like a real thing. Any cockaloo. It was like, and, and it was like this moment where I was like, wait, so you're telling me that David Coverdale is like way past like expiration of like, you know, like being like a, you know, relevant pop star. Tony Katane was wait, no longer crawling right, on, exactly. on his roles. And he definitely walked writhing into, on his roles. He definitely walked into the sex, into the sex store that I was working at this time. He, and, he was a man who knew what he wanted. And he like walked in and he was like David Coverdale, like two feet tall. And nah, he had, like these girls with him that were like a thousand feet tall. And yeah. it was like this great thing where he like walks in and he definitely like, you know, like they walk up and they buy it for him. And I was don't... he like, I'm going to slide it in right to the top. <laughs> no, he was just 
He was at the a The deeper point, the love, baby. He was clearly just like... If he like, had been with the Bullet Boys, it would have been smooth up in you. Oh, my God. <laughs> smooth up. Yeah. So yeah. he's like definitely like standing behind the women, like clearly like with the intent of like, I'm going to do this later. <laughs> yeah. And they are going to purchase this so that I could do this thing later. And you're just like... And he like... Walks or so up, the Germans would have us think. Exactly. And he walks up to pay, and I'm looking at him, and I'm in my head, I'm like, I know who this man is. Yeah. And I definitely, like, he slips me, like, the, the credit card, I look at it, and I'm like, holy shit, you're you! Yep. Do you think he needed the, I mean, just speculation here, like, was the cock ring for aesthetic purposes or structural uh, reinforcement? <laughs> I think it has definitely for structural reinforcement uh, okay. this point of his life, so there we go. All right. But this is related to this yeah, album. Yeah, it's like, and, and this album. Yeah. And, and this... I, I like to, you know, do a proper uh, interrogation of Rockstar's cocks whenever the opportunity <laughs> and, and look, presents look, itself. Look, but, 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 you know, we, we, we said it, and, and I think uh, I think as we start to wind this down, if this this is an album that really did change and influence an entire generation. I mean, look, the the Sunset Strip took over shit. Yeah. Right? That was the thing. Hair metal is not, like, somewhere in Kansas. There's a, it's like, yeah. it is L.A., the Sunset Strip. The decline is, of Western civilization is, part two It is exists. literally, like, four bars that you can still go to, like, I think two of them. Yeah. And... Viper Room's still there. Yeah, Viper yeah. Room is still there. Well, Absolutely. is Kazari still there? Because that was a big one. Uh, that, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, but... But yeah, I mean, everybody, some of them every, I think are just like sort of corporate. Like the whiskey isn't real. <laughs> well, yeah, the whiskey. It's still it's you. It's still there. You can go to the yeah, But I was to gonna say everybody should watch the decline of Western civilization yeah, part two. Penelope yeah. Spears. Yeah, movie. but 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 so so when London. you when you have this that and band. you have and I, I Odin. I, I think Odin, in yes. rock and roll the the great reset, uh, and this is just germane to rock and roll was maybe uh an album we're going to talk about later but Your uh, Honor. never huh? mind never mind no 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 i'm gonna, i'm going to cut Sorry. it that that was that was one yeah uh appetite for destruction oh yeah appetite for destruction was the was the, the because the, it picked the, up that that narrative it picked up the it narrative it was from that and scene. It, and it yeah. did that very very yeah. differently because slash is Different drugs, in, in though. many Different ways drugs. uh well, a lot of the same drugs not yeah. as an innovative guitarist. Really, Slash is not as, in many ways as an innovative guitarist, Eddie Van Halen, but uh, per, my preference, he's a better guitarist because he understands, it, or at least exhibits, like the whole tradition of coming out there. I, I think Slash doubled down on the language that he, you know, uh, if, you do, if we do an appetite cast, I'd love yeah, to come by for that because I'm. Yeah, I'm we, we've like, been meaning to do this appetite cast for some time. I'm so kind I'm of like, the, like a, a, a real head for that. <laughs> But 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 so this leads to I mean so that, it, that album was the I'm, I'm sorry I mentioned the grunge stuff but like but Appetite was the one that sort of made me feel safer about like, right about rock about rock at that time because of all the Eddie clones and stuff yeah I, and, and and so you think about like it took uh, when did Appetite come out. 90, it, 90, 91? No, no, Appetite, no, 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 87 is Appetite. Is it 87? Oh, Appetite, sorry, I yeah, thought we were talking about yeah, Nevermind. Use your illusion. Sorry, I'm still thinking yeah. about Nevermind. I thought no. you said Nevermind. No, yeah, Appetite, Appetite came out in like 87 or 88. 87, yeah. 87. Yeah. It came out, yes. It came out in 87. Yeah. So from 1978 to 87, the tone in, in not music, but rock and roll yeah. was set. By this album by, and, this, and by the hair metal album. bands that came. Uh, and everything that came out. Yeah. And yeah. that is, like, I, I want that album today. I want I want somebody to make that album. Because after that was Nirvana. 
And that that was Nirvana was ninety one, ninety two. Nirvana's yeah, ninety ninety one. You know, you probably I don't know if you get, the, get are going to get the opportunity. I mean, I don't pay attention as much because I'm old, so I don't know. Well, mm. then what is life? No, but I was gonna I was gonna <laughs> make this life, huh? I was gonna make this statement, and I'm glad you finally I'm glad you alluded to right. it. So like the the space between Van Halen and Guns N' Roses is mm-hmm. ten years. Mm-hmm. The space between Guns N' Roses and Nirvana is five years. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Because you get this like half life thing that happens because of like how much how much music was made that was influenced by yeah. this sound. And Guns N' Roses got bloated so fast that by Absolutely. by the right. time that Nirvana appeared at the MTV Music Video Awards off of uh the, the success of Smells Like Teen Spirit you know, there was a, they were famously beefing with Guns N' Roses right. backstage, like yeah. because of Guns N' Roses Courtney were Love perceived as being fighting, like, right? You know, just absolutely bloated rock star. You know, yeah. so like, but but think about been. it's, but it's crazy though to think about it. Like ten years existed mm-hmm. for this whole thing, <laughs> and then you get five years, and then this, and this gets to like the the larger point I think of this whole podcast, which is that we all say, die, right? People say rock is dead. Yes. Which is which it is, is it really which is. in many ways it is it really is <laughs> so I think it's so cool that it happened during my lifetime right but it's crazy so you go from like ten years between this and Guns N' Roses you get five years between Guns N' Roses and Nirvana between Nirvana and say rap reaching the mainstream and doing the thing that rock does well yeah. you get like a good two and a half years yep so it was like yeah. a declining half life. Compress, compress, compress. Right, compress, 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 because the stuff that this stuff is made of is like musical, it's musical kerosene. Like, it's like, it just explodes the thing wide open. And So how how does that, but for our future futurists in the room? Okay, so, so, all right, if you wanted to make this music again, um, I think there's a space for it. And I think that the, the I think that the we're at a point now where everything moves in a cycle. Do we have to bomb North Korea to make this happen? No, yes. what you you okay? Well, but of course, That's I, I knew you were going to say that. Maga. So I mean, to me, you have to like go all the way back to like the stuff that made like a thing like Zeppelin happen. Well, listen, there was a rockability tradition in 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 music, and there was a black music like Thank sort you. of declamation tradition. Mm-hmm. In the stomp and, and, and shout, and there was like the boogie woogie, and there's like a lot of stuff that just isn't received wisdom for the people who are picking up their uh, virtual instruments or whatever and making music today. And, you know, even though Eddie Van Halen, we all want to kill our daddies, right? Like, that's the thing. So he, he turned his sights on Jimmy Page, who was the last hip gunslinger mm-hmm. yeah. that ruled the world and like took him out dead to rights. And that's exactly what he should have done because it's a shootout in the old OK Corral. You know, it's the there can be only one. It's the Highlander fucking, you know, <laughs> yeah, mentality. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, Slash is Coincidentally, the, Highlander came out right around that time. <laughs> right, right. Slash, <laughs> Slash is actually the last living guitar player who is legitimately connected to the uh, British heavy blues tradition uh, yes. of lead I guitar. I will totally co-sign that. And, yes. and, and he happens to be a, legit, a legitimate and authentic heir to that. Uh, and has earned his right in the pantheon, but I think the samurai uh, tradition ends with him, and it's yeah. kind of a sad thing. So I don't think music gets reinvested with with this attitude or this spark uh, dra- with these same trappings or influences. Maybe uh, it was meant to be that eventually the sort of uh, swagger and insouciance of rock music uh, no longer requires um, Dwayne Eddy. 
as a as a like pr- right, right, or or, right, or right. Little Richard or I, but I think there's Jerry some, Lee Lewis, but I think there's something to that or Elvis Presley. Yeah, I think there's or some, even the Beatles. I think there's something to the notion that you have to get back to like the root core sex drive, like. Not even sex, but, but that, like. But, but why do we need to get back to it? It still but, exists. Kids want to fuck, right? But they, but, but it's they one don't thing talk that about we it. Know. Kids want to fuck, but they don't talk about it anymore. <laughs> Nobody says they actually want to fuck anybody. Like that's that really. It, but what are all these songs that are like very explicit? Like uh, go fuck you now. But go, it's uh, not fuck the same. Me, you, but it's not the same. How's Michael McDonald sound? It's not the same. It's not the same because there's not any romance in it, in it or at least right. the perception of romance. Right. And that's the key is that we have to get so back. So you were just saying that Ice Cream Man was like blowing your mind for how like you know risque and like cock in your face it was. Where's the romance in that? But there is though, because it's the it's the perception that you're doing this with a romantic thing attached it's a to it. There's a courtship. No matter. No, you said I, I don't agree with that at all. I think it's more about the sort of um, being two things: being able to embrace it fully without fear of you know cultural or market censure, which I hate to say it is a, is an argument against PC. Although I still believe that we should be strive to be respectful, tolerant, inclusive, and accommodating of one another's sensitivities. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I, I honestly feel that culturally we have sort of uh, tried to insulate ourselves from the experience of the rawness and the meaning of being human at these basic sexual cathartic yes. levels. Okay. And, th- and of that, we're in agreement. So we're saying the yes. same exact yes, we thing. Are. Yeah. But so, the trappings are the trappings. So I could give a what, shit about that. So that's what, jo- okay. So this Justin Timberlake <laughs> record, I look at it as like a very important record in this conversation because he's trying to make a Memphis record. He's trying to make a Southern but does it have the urge? Exactly. So that's yeah. the thing. It's like if if, if in, encapsulate this whole conversation in a space, like there's a real space to make this record that exists yeah. right now that you could, if you wanted to like, quote unquote, save rock and roll, it's not going to sound like a bunch of guitars and a bunch of like, you know, big drums yeah. and the whole thing. Yeah. But there's a space like creatively where rock and roll existed very, in very real, like, you know, actual fashion that, I feel like if you're looking for things, it's just it's Justin record because he's the guy. Mm-hmm. He's the rock star guy. Right, like, so you would naturally look to him. Right, and he's and he's making a record and he's putting out pieces of it now. Oh. And we haven't heard, and the thing that makes it suck to people is that there's not the rock record on it, like the great right. But you're connected to the, to more connected to like the, sort of the underground of this yeah. like, than I think any of us in the room, certainly. Um, what... Is it is, is this heat really missing? Oh, it's completely missing. I'm not talking about from Justin Timberlake. No, but from I'm everybody. People are people are from a, the youth music. It's scene. a it's asexual yeah. right now. Like I mean, the Moses Sumner. Even record. when they're saying, "Uh, uh fuck you." Yes, uh. but that, that you're talking about fucking, but you're not talking about fucking with any romance or any sort of uh, or yeah, any but again, sort of romance. That's like that's a hallmark. Card. Yeah, but there's no but there's no orgasm. I, I really don't <laughs> believe that. Like you know that that rockabilly hooting any shit. That was like that's dangerous. I'm gonna knife you in the fucking ribcage. And I'm going to fuck that chick. That's what that music was about. Yes, but yeah. that's not happening now because it's all like computerized and digitized and we've taken all of the, the sex Again, out of it. Again, trappings, trappings, trappings. Like right. what, what is really missing? Like is, is, 
is the, the trap song is the trap song that's there's like, no passion in it there's you don't no think, passion that, you don't think that trap like artist really wants to fuck that no, uh, they, uh, in, they, uh, uh. they want to fuck them but it's because they have the ability to it's not that they actually want to fuck the, the person is immaterial okay so this is the this is the uh, point okay. well, the person heavy. is immaterial to the fucking so like that's Jamie a major, does not exist right exactly somebody's Jamie is an it's, abstract it's just yeah. crying the song would just be called crying <laughs> oh, that's a Roy Orbison song. there would be no right exactly but there would be no Jamie it would be you know blah 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 crying like there's no person and that's the thing I think that why this record works yeah or why it's persisted because why it's persisted it reminds us of our loins right. has it persisted though because like these guys are gonna be dead soon we're next but, but well, yeah, you're right. No, you're right. But again, so if you wanted to like make this I record. I just love to bring that back into all the conversation. Yeah, you know, so to me, you, I almost died once. Like, I, 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 I am know, well right. aware of you can facts. You can really confront that in a way. So, that, in that, any, so to, to, to the point. A few people who discuss pop culture can. And, right. And, you know, we're living it now, though, because like all these people are really actually dying. Like, we yeah. had to really sort of Tom understand Petty. what it meant to have people like Tom Petty die, David Bowie die. Yeah, Prince Tom Petty die. today. Yeah. It come out that an accidental like yeah, opioid, yeah. which they're look they're the guy was a heroin addict in a previous life, right? And uh, get it. there's there's no accidents like that necessarily when it comes to opioids. No, uh, there is culpability, and you you can discuss all day long yeah. whether between should doctors have been talking should but yeah. there's no accidents. But yeah, so so again to this point, like. You have to, like, understand – okay, so, like, you have to understand, like, people have to be involved. Yeah. And passion with, with people, <laughs> not passion with, with, with boards or with, or, or with multi-tracking engineering <laughs> or with any great other number of things that, that matter in music right now. Yeah. But it's, it gets down again to the fact that, like, this album was meant to be played at the Whiskey O' Go-Go and played loud enough so yeah. that you could hear it over the bartenders or that chick you're trying yep. to fuck. And it, yeah, and it's an album is, That's true. It's meant yeah. to be played in a bar, and it's meant to be played uh, by a band in a bar. Right. And, and it is meant to be like the soundtrack to you trying to get laid. Right, and if, and if there's any one thing that any uh, that the record... Okay, so like, and, and again, this is why I had this, I had a long... But you know, so someone. was like uh, you know half the disco songs of but, the era. But that, so that but, whole, but, the but whole disco movement, no, I think, but, yeah, doesn't make no, it disco's all, disco's a whole different thing because disco was you're fucking you're fucking anybody and everybody. These guys weren't. Come on, no, but they're but they're but uh, but the thing is, is that the song is called Jamie's Crying. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're trying least, to keep, they're trying to keep it within in in the societal norms. Right. There's like, very much a thing about I'm fucking you tonight. It's like we're way you. out here, but we're gonna keep it. We're gonna yeah. introduce a little puritanical. Like, right. You and I are doing yeah. a thing. So if there's anything like I said to take away from this, and again to get to this, like I had like a long argument about this last night, like literally two hours about this very topic. Like you have to create funny energy for that. I don't know. <laughs> I have a baby. They'll take care of that. <laughs> <laughs> so in any event, like you're like okay, so like you have to get back down to the idea that like the core root of rock and roll is like you and a chick or you and a dude are trying to like fuck, yeah, and that's or the two idea. dudes and and and, right. and, and or, or two chicks or or two dudes and a chick or two right. chicks and exactly a dude right. or three chicks 
or three right. dudes. All right, some two dudes, dudes. Right. two dudes, three chicks, and a porg. Right, exactly. Oh, there it is. 2018. Yeah. Hashtag 2000 great teen. 2000 great teen. Okay, so the idea, but the idea is that you're not trying to fuck and like just like just fuck, but you're trying to stare each other in the eyes and have a romantic connection. I disagree. For half a second. For half a second. I think it has absolutely nothing to do with it. Again, I feel like it, rock and roll at, at the core is is that's what it's <laughs> rock based and on. roll is you know like rockabilly songs uh, and 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 it encompasses so many traditions. It's like gospel music. It's like boogie music. It's like country music. It's like and all of these traditions have have their ribald sort of songs that have absolutely nothing to do with romance. I mean, I keep saying rockabilly, but I'm like thinking of like there are some songs that. I like that are about cutting off a girl's head. I mean, that's where like skulls by by right. Danzig comes from because yeah. they're rocking those songs. It's a Hazel Hazel Atkins song, Hazel yeah. Atkins song, you know. Like, right. like well, I mean, but there's a level of, and then there's a sexual impulse, which sometimes is just like, I want to stick it in a thing, <laughs> right? And then there's the girl version of that, like. Rock and roll has like girls that are saying the, yeah. the, the the exact same thing. But there's and so I don't know if there's, there's a lot humanity. of romance. In, but there's in humanity it. though. I guess I guess the, I guess if not romance, the word is humanity. So you have to get to that humanistic connection between like people, like actual people. Like I could reach out well, and touch you. It's, I, I think what you're trying to say, right? And, and, and I really don't want to ever paraphrase you uh, because I've edited you, and that would be impossible. Thank you. Your your voice is, is very singular and it is amazing. Thank you. Sir. But it, but it, but think the word you're looking for is carnal. Yes. And whatever when somebody says the word carnal, you think that that feels like means that's probably what it is. Um. And thank you for weaving the word carnal in this. Yeah. That's like and, the perfect word for it. And and so it is. So using the word carnal, like you're right, Casey, and and he's also right. It's a, it is that is a romanticized word. It is a stigmatized is word. I think carnality is just really like a a brazen uh, sexual presentation, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but it's it's something that people just sort of like. Oh, that's carnal. It's like too much. But that's what rock and roll is about. But carnality, and the absence of that is about just be like almost... Nicki Minaj is plenty carnal, dude. She is, and she's a very good example. She's based out of the rock but, tradition. She but is. Migos, as, as you have been quoting, is not. It's not they're they're not carnal. Nicki Nicki really Migos. But... Nicki Minaj carnal as fuck. Migos huh. not so much. Yes. Why? It... What's the difference? Sweat. Sweat, and that's all you can it feel is. It. Yeah, like could be right. As much as Offset is with Cardi B, like he has, he's got no swag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's the whole thing. But in a nutshell, but so so that's I, I think what to take away from the from this album, besides the awesome tunes, uh, besides the, uh, the absolutely groundbreaking guitar playing is, is that it it exists on a carnal realm that that very few things. Uh, in rock and roll existed and, and almost nothing exists on now. And, and really, uh, though, if you need to know something about this album, it's just all about cocks, right? Yes. We get with that. So, yes. So many cocks. So many. Cocks. So many. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys for hanging out down here. Always. Casey, it was so good to see you. You have not no, been thanks. back in a while. And, and, and no, I've had all and these I know it's, but, and but uh, like... 
You know what? We're going to do one of these at your house. We're, yeah, come to me. We're, 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 we're going to come to Muhammad. We're going to come to you and, and just uh, get you in your element. I mean, bring the mountain to the baby Jesus. This is um, Trump's America. I can't say the bring the mountain to Muhammad right. because it's a band. Brown. Yeah. yeah, it's a band. It's brown. It's also, yeah, it's very brown. It's a brown sound. <laughs> it is the, the brown sound. The brownest of sounds. It is brown sound. Thank you, gentlemen. And uh, yeah. go listen to Van Halen 1 and all of Van Halen. Except according to Casey, not Van Hagar. That's another case. I will stand for Van Hagar. We will have to have this yes. as a podcast. All right, sir. Thanks to Marcus and Casey for hanging out. I uh, I told you it was an extended little pod jam. It was, a, it was a great great time hanging out. Hadn't seen Casey in a while, so that was that was amazing. And I did warn you up front. We say cock quite a bit, especially in the past hour. But it's unavoidable when you're talking about Van Halen, the uh, the original purveyors of cock rock. And if you have a if you have a song on later on a later album called Everybody Wants Some, you know, um, not me too friendly as as we pointed out. Uh, but it is look, it's part of our history, and now we can go back and we can uh, sort of analyze it, tear it apart, see what it has led to today, good and bad, and uh, and go forth and uh, and be better humans because these four humans uh, reached the pinnacle of artistic achievement at one point in time. That's it for our podcast this Thursday, and that is it for this week. Hope you uh, hope you enjoyed it. Hope you had a good week. Hope you're, hope you're sliding into Friday all right. If you didn't check in on Monday with our interview of Andrew Grossman of the North Country, please do. First, he's a rad dude, has a rad band, and he's right here in Washington, D.C. In case you guys have ever been wondering what's going on in this town besides proposed military parades, uh, that is what is going on, Andrew Grossman. And uh, so highly recommend it. When, uh, when he comes to your town, go see him and uh, get his records and shit because they're awesome. Um, if you did like what you heard, you can uh, do a couple things. First and foremost, I'd say tell your friends. If you're if you're listening to this, you're probably of the music nerd, at least music fan persuasion, uh, and you might even like uh, beer, like we do. Uh, lots of people do that, and that's why we do it. So you can tap your friend on the shoulder and say, "Hey, uh, there's this thing I hang out with in my head, you know, once or twice a week, and and I think you might find it pretty cool. You might be the type of person who likes this thing." And uh, and maybe they'll tune in. And if you if you have trouble selling it, I recently had somebody uh, say we were we're trying to do some marketing and stuff. Somebody described it as as it's somewhere between sound opinions and drunk history. And I'll take that. That is that is very very accurate. We are uh, when we're on, we're on, and uh, we, but we very often get waylaid by our imbibements. Thursday nights, our taping nights are kind of wild down here sometimes. Uh, so you can do that. You can subscribe to us in iTunes. Leave us a rating there. You can also reach out at podcast at chunkyglasses.com and, uh, and let us know what you think. Give us any pointers. Tell us what you want us to be covering. Uh, there's a, Look, we can't cover everything, and 
we are rabid music fans. So if it's something we haven't heard of that you think uh, deserves this touch, then uh, then hit us up. Hip us to it. That is the best thing. Uh, the best thing, too, is like if you are the type who thinks that you would like to sit on a panel and talk about music like this and drink beers with my cat Sam, who is sitting right here washing himself, uh, then podcast at junkyglasses.com. And uh, we'll see if we can't make that happen. The only thing I really ask is that you're not crazy or an asshole or Sarah Sanders. Those three things, uh, you know, I'm okay. As long as it's not those three things. Uh, We are also available on Google Play, Mixcloud, Stitcher, and now on Spotify. Spotify is a cool thing because you can listen to the album and then just click right over. And we're right there. If you search for Van Halen right now, uh, you'll see us right below it in the podcast section. Uh, thanks to our podcast hoster, Pippa, for making that happen. Speaking of Pippa, if you have an idea for a podcast or a story or some truth that you want to get out in the world and you think it's worthwhile, they're here to help you. Just go to Pippa.io, sign up. It's a it's a small monthly fee, and uh, they have the tools and the information to get you started. You still need like your own microphones and all that, but you know, if you got a laptop, if you're listening to this or whatever, you can you can get all that together. It's pretty easy. Uh, you can also email me and ask. I'll help out. I, I, I can give you... I have a whole sheet of how to start a podcast. But these guys are great. We've been with them for a year. And uh, the best uh, host we've had, best metrics, they're awesome. Pippa.io is great. And last but not least, uh, the amazing Jamal Gray, whose music you hear sliding under here right now. Uh, he's up at Uptown Art House, which you should... We'll put that link in the show notes. You should definitely support that. Uh, member of Nag Champa of Reaganomics, and this project was Aquatic Gardener about a year ago. It's a uh, three-movement mixtape type of thing made up of a lot of found sounds and uh, and then the beats by him, and it's, it's it's amazing and it's chill. But you know that if you listen to this, you've been hearing it all the time. You probably already have it, but, uh, but thanks to those people. Um, we're going to be back on Monday with a pretty special episode, I think. Um, it's going to be one of two things. We're either going to be talking about Radiohead, Pablo Honey, uh, that's in the can, or we're going to have a special uh, Valentine's Day episode talking about how awkward love songs can be. Uh, Really, it's just all about Justin Timberlake's new album uh, because it's awkward uh, as fuck, kids. (laughs) You You need to take a listen. Uh, that's neither good nor bad, uh, but but we're going to try to get through that. Uh, but I don't know if we're going to get that in the can before then. So, And then uh, coming up on next Thursday, the uh, trio, the super power trio, uh, Afo Donovan, uh, Sarah DeRose, and, and uh, Sarah Watkins have a new album under the name I'm With Her. That's going to be out, and we're going to talk about it. So you got lots of stuff. you got lots of stuff to look forward to. I'm going to get out of here now go play with my cat. Uh, we'll talk to you guys in a few days. Until then, be good to your ears. Be better to your people. Talk to you soon. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi!